Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. Are you following From Within Records on social media? If you're not, go boot up your Twitter, your Instagram, and go hit that follow button to stay up to date on all the current news. There's a ton of awesome stuff coming out throughout the year, things to expect this summer and fall. One Scene Unity Comp Volume 2, which I'm super super excited about volume one was such a success and i just love the whole movement behind it so definitely looking forward to volume two mh chaos shout out chicago hardcore they're working hard on their comeback their new record also gridiron despise split and i can't tell you how excited i am for new despise material obviously despise is a great band and i love everything that they do but I can't stop listening to Gridiron. That band is so sick, and I'm so excited for this team up. This split is going to be so sick. Also, Payback, their new records coming down the pipeline. Shackled coming out of New Jersey. Shout out New Jersey Hardcore. So many awesome things. So like I always say, if you're not following from within records, do yourself a favor. Go hit that follow button and seriously stay up to date. Such an awesome label doing great things for hardcore. Shout out From Within Records. Support them because they always support us. And one last thing before we get started, I got word that the Pain of Truth Age of Apocalypse split officially sold out on vinyl. So thank you to everybody who purchased a copy. It it definitely means a lot. And it's, it's so awesome to see all of you show support to Streets of Hate, to Pain of Truth and Age of Apocalypse like that. It's, it's seriously so amazing. So thank all of you. And shout out to Streets of Hate for doing awesome stuff. On today's episode, we had to track down my good buddy Tyler Short, sings in a band called Inclination, also sings for a band called Constraint, works really hard on LDB Records, such an awesome dude, and just a a, a real, real hardcore person. He, He loves the music loves the the culture, and it was a pleasure for me to finally be able to sit down with him after not doing a podcast for a couple of years and just to just to hear how he was doing and uh, talking about the band stuff. It, it was just really fun for me. I love Tyler. I love everything that he does for hardcore. It's so awesome. So do yourself a favor, strap in and enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, welcome Tyler Short to the show. and we're live welcome back to the podcast tyler how's it going uh it's going all right i uh you're kind of talking to me at one of the oddest craziest like trials of my life right now and i i feel strange because if i remember last time i had you on the podcast you were dealing with your knee yeah yeah another odd strange uh trial of my life <laughs> yeah and uh, you know and for the people listening this wasn't planned uh, this is just how things uh you know just kind of worked itself out yeah <laughs> so it, it's uh you know been a while I, like my last memory of you is seeing you at fya obviously seeing you through the weekend and then i'm seeing inclination play uh but i'm just curious like how have you been since then because it's been a while 
Um, well, so with COVID and everything, nothing really changed for me because I work at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. So like, if anything, like things have been like, I don't know. It was, it, it was weird when it first started cause it was almost like, uh, like holiday time, but in March for no reason, like, cause we were getting like slammed every day and the shelves were getting wiped cause people were, you know, hoarding toilet paper and doing all the crazy mm-hmm. things that they were doing when the pandemic first started. But, um, it was like, it was like crazy. Like I want to say those first few weeks of uh, lockdown, which constraint was playing shows all the way up to the day before lockdown. Like we had shows planned and we, cause we were playing the last piece of mind show. And um, we had like a few dates around that and everywhere we went the next day, that area would like lockdown. So like we were in Oklahoma and it was funny cause I remember having a conversation with somebody and I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, there aren't many confirmed cases in, uh, in Kentucky yet, but I'm sure they're there. And somebody from Oklahoma was like, yeah, COVID just isn't really here yet. And I was like, buddy, you think it isn't here? It's probably in this fucking room right now. Mm-hmm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, like, this is absolutely here right now. Um, the only reason you all don't know is cause you're not testing yet. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, that was before like I tests were even a thing for real. Like they, they, that was, uh, but yeah, I remember when the day we, uh, we were playing Chicago, um, Chicago announced it was locking down the next day and it was like, fuck, well, all right. And then while we were in Chicago, we found out Louisville was locking down the next day. So like we were on tour with that end on end band. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to just be like, uh, sorry guys, tour's over, go home, I guess, because we can't have the show in Louisville anymore. At least if, you know, if we did, it would be highly like inadvisable to do so at this point. Um, but I remember like right around that same time, like terror, I think played, uh, Indianapolis and, uh, yeah, it was just crazy. Like that, that, that time was really insane. But yeah, so, I mean, I came back from, uh, from that tour and the vacation I was on and work was just a complete fucking shitstorm. Like it was, it was fucking terrible. It was like, I, I want to say I worked like 60 hour weeks for three or four weeks after, uh, coming back from tour. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fucked up. And that was still before like masks were even a thing or any, anything like that. It was just in, we were, I mean, we were fucking slammed. Like there would be 400, 500 people. You couldn't even move some days while you're trying to stock the fucking shelves and people are just wiping them out. They had to like put caps on our orders because all of our orders were trying to fire off too big to, uh, for the warehouses to keep up. Mm-hmm. So they had to, if essentially like if they gave me a number and if I ordered more, if I ordered more product than this cap that they had put on me, they would just cancel the order and I would get nothing. So, yeah. So like I had to like go in and like be like, all right, well, what do I want to run? I basically had to look at the the inventory and say, well, what am I okay with running out of? Mm-hmm. Like what, what, what can I, what can I absolutely do without? And 
figure out the things that, um, you know, were more important to people to get and just like all, since all the shelves were empty, I mean, it was fucking easy to stock because you just put things anywhere and people would just fucking buy it. Um, but yeah, fucking grocery store life is, uh, not, not fucking fun. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, for, for, for people that uh, know, I uh, my uh, corporate job. I, I like to say I, I actually work for Frito Lay, so I'm in grocery stores all day. Yeah, dude, it's uh, and people suck. <laughs> uh, it, it was strange because uh, for me, those early days and seeing the stores getting wiped and people were like panic shopping. I, for, for some reason, I just never uh, gave into it. I was like, okay, I was like, I'll just get what i can but i never had the mindset like holy shit i need to grab this to to last me because it might not you know come back or you know things might pop off and we, we might actually have to stay inside for a long time for for some weird reason for me it just never really clicked and i was like all right like i'll just deal with it but it, I, I i was never in the mindset where i needed to like hoard stuff i mean i knew i was gonna have to go to work mm-hmm. like i knew regardless i was gonna have to go to work unless they shut grocery stores down, which I knew would be like the last thing that would happen. And, uh, like I, I, I think like, I don't know. I, I think this hasn't been as hard on, on me in, in a, in like a, like in several ways. But one of those ways was like, I essentially had to accept, which I, you know, now that, I'm I'm fully vaccinated at this point, but um, it, when uh, when it started, like I'm pretty sure we like a few of us in, after LDB Fest caught COVID, mm-hmm. um, and were were fine after that, and you know possibly I was like I, I it's kind of one of the only ways I can explain the fact that like I worked six days a week for you know, two months, the first two months of lockdown before mask mandates came down and whatnot. Um, I was working, you know, six days a week around hundreds of people and didn't get sick. And I would imagine that the reason I didn't get sick is because I'd already been sick. Um, but I kind of had to just accept the fact that like, even when masks were a thing and, uh, and going to work and just being around all kinds of people coughing and being like overall like arrogant um, and leaving their house when they fucking did not need to Um, like given like you're in a grocery store, but I mean, there were people there, there were people grocery shopping every fucking day. Yeah, for sure. Like I would see the same people every fucking day. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you couldn't have just got this shit yesterday and just taken one day where you didn't fucking leave. Like, but, uh, but I just kind of accepted. I was like, I'm probably going to get sick. And because of that, I'm not going to hang out with any of my friends. And I didn't try to see anybody, even like people who were in bubbles or anything like that. Cause I'm like, I'm in the fucking polar opposite of a bubble. So those first few months, like I didn't try to hang out with anybody and try to see anybody. And then when, you know, small, you know, gatherings of like game nights and things like that started happening between like five or six of us. Like I even then was like, okay, everybody has to be okay with the fact that I am around more people than any of you like combined. Mm -hmm. And if you guys are cool with me coming over and like, you know, 
you know, playing a board game or something, then I just, I just need everybody to like fully understand that like I am exposed to tons of strangers every fucking day. And, um, and that's what I've kind of come to grips with is that I'm probably going to get sick. So if you're cool with, you know, hanging out with me, if hanging out with me is that important to you that like, you know, I just need everybody to be on that same page and understand that like, you know, like I don't want to put anybody at risk. So I'm fully okay with not fucking hanging out. But at the same time, like if you, you know, really want to hang out, then, and it, I mean, it's been really hard on my, or it was really hard on my girlfriend at first because I mean, I, she essentially, she had to like isolate too, because she was constantly exposed to me. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, shit sucked, but I'm, I mean, what, what I'm going through right now with work, like I haven't had an off day since, uh, February 5th. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm working nights right now. So that's why we're talking so early. Um, like, so I've got to leave for work every night at six thirty or seven or so. And, um, I'm not working that long of shifts, but I mean, I'm still working every fucking day and it is just fucking brutal. Like COVID was brutal at the beginning and it's been brutal overall, but this fucking renovation that my store is doing and causing me to have to work seven days a fucking week is, uh, is, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like I'm now going through like the isolation aspects that people went through with COVID because now I truly feel isolated because I'm left with no choice but to do what I've got to do. And, and is that because your your and, schedule is kind of like opposite of everybody? Yeah, and I mean it's just also like like we've we've had like we've had friends over um, a couple times like rec- like in the past like since I've been doing this fucking overload of work and. uh like people will be hanging out in my house and then I'm like, all right, I got to fucking go to work and I just have to not see my friends right now. And like, I kind of made a point to like, not even try to really hang out with anybody. I went and got uh lunch with uh Prosser um, from inclination um, the other day. And he's like the first person I've intentionally like, seen and just we just went and got food and brought it back to my house and ate and that was like the the only the only intentional hang i've had since uh since february where uh you know even our friends who are in bubbles together like it it involves them like coming over and being at our house because i'm not going to make plans to go to somebody else's place and then have to fucking leave from there to go to work it just sucks dude yeah, like, no, I, I I can totally get that, especially since it's like, uh, kind of like like the the time. I'm obviously I'm I'm not sure if it's the same time every night uh, that, that that you mentioned to me, but it's like kind of like right in the middle. You can't really uh you know plan a whole lot around it because knowing that you have to leave and and that is kind of whack. Uh, I, I I totally get that, but uh, but respect to you for you know being able to you know uh, get your hustle on and you know go to work. I mean, dude, it's it's like my my department is just me and one other guy mm-hmm. and he's doing it too like we're both like kind of like in this like suicide pact of you know not taking a day off because if if one of us takes a day off then it all falls on the other one and neither of us are willing to like leave each other in the lurch so uh 
I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy. There's also like a girl from another department who's willingly, you know, laying down on this fucking pyre with us to uh to work every fucking day right now while this is going on. And it just sucks because like they told us it was gonna be eight weeks mm-hmm. and uh that was in that was February twelfth. We they were we were was when they, they they started this whole whole deal, but I'd already worked the previous week um without a day off before they started the renovation and they were like it's only going to be eight weeks and then i think it's been like 10 weeks now and and this point is there any real end in sight for it or you guys just kind of you know so deep in it you're just kind of going with it i was told may 4th but then last night i was talking to one of my managers and he was making it seem like there's no definitive date which may 4th would have been three straight months without a day off, yeah. which put in the context of a quarter of the year mm-hmm. is super fucked up. <laughs> yeah, no. And that can get mentally exhausting because I, I, I used to work three jobs. I, I work, um, you know, well, I, I worked, uh, you know, uh, doing the corporate job. I, I worked at, at a comic book shop and then I worked at this merch company and I was just always at work except for Sunday. Sunday was like the only day that I had off from all jobs, which was nice. And that's when I became like really selfish with my time because I, I like if anything went wrong on Sunday and I didn't enjoy my Sunday, I would just hate my life for the rest of the week. So, oh uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I can't even imagine not being able to have at least just one day to to not have to work. Yeah, I mean that was that was my that was my Friday. That was what Friday was for me for the past you know few years of my life. Is Friday's been my only day off aside from when I'm uh you know on vacation, which is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I, I would get like full on, I would go full toddler if something was like fucking up my Friday because like, that's the only day where I'm like actually allowed to disconnect and fucking unplug. And then to have something fuck it up is just super shitty. <laughs> yeah, no, trust me. There, there's so many instances where I realize like, wow, nobody uh, really cares about my happiness as much as I do. So I got to make the most of it. So uh, yeah, trust me. I like those times when I was working three jobs at once, which was insane. I'll probably never do that again. Uh, I, I learned. Yeah, dude, fucking don't, never, yeah. never do that again. Yeah, no, trust me. <laughs> Money isn't worth it. No, definitely not. You know, I, I, uh, and even in like, even with life and like other things, sometimes like I just like set these goals and, uh, you know, slowly like I'll achieve some and, I think I'm like, okay, once I get here, I'll be happy. That's all I need. But then like I get there and I'm just like, wow, this isn't all I like thought it like was going to be. And I'm just like, you know, what's the point of anything? And I'm, I just get so confused sometimes. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the fucking paper chase, dude. It's, it's, you always think like, oh, at this point, you know, I'll feel secure. And then all you do is find a different, like a different limb to look at and say, well, no, at that point I'd be secure. And then no, it's just, it's just, it's never fucking ending. Yeah. And, and that's why w- when I hear stories about like rich people being sad or hating their own life, I'm like, okay, like I, I, I can totally get it because I'm um, even me, like, yeah. I, I'm not rich, but when I get to the, these points where I think I'm going to be like super happy and, uh, you know, I'm fulfilled. Um, it's not that at all. It just, it's just like never yeah. ends. And I mean, also like th- there's, there's like, I mean, fucking, I, I will be the first person to, to tell you to shut the fuck up if you're, you know, commiserating with fucking Elon Musk or some shit. But like, there is also this like insane pressure for 
when you get in a position like that to, you know, maintain it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just fucking let it go, man. It's fine. Like every, every, you, no one stays at the top forever. Like it's like, you're, you're bound to get knocked off and getting knocked off is like part of like the human condition. For sure. You got to learn how to deal with the ups and the downs. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I am curious because uh, it has been a while since we actually spoke. Uh, you did mention a flip phone earlier. You, are you still going strong with your flip phone? Yes, still, still, still rocking flip phone. I'm currently using the worst flip phone I've ever had. Um, I pretty much it's resulted in me just not texting people anymore mm-hmm. because uh, the buttons don't work very well. Like when I texted you earlier and said uh, I'll call you after, mm-hmm. and it all of a sudden put an eight at the end of that <laughs> when I was texting you from the dentist and I said, I'll call you after. And then it just put an eight at the end. Um, don't like that. I don't like that. It makes me, cause I'll, I'll like, um, my girlfriend will ask me like, um, like, you know, how, uh, like what time are you going to be off tonight? And I'll be like around, I'll, I'll try to text her like, you know, around one or something like that. And it'll immediately for some reason put an eight at the end of a round. And I'm like, why did it do that? Now I have to go back and hit the fucking clear button and clear that out. And also the clear button doesn't really respond very well. I don't know, it sucks. So I just always, I, I just kind of call people now if I need to talk to them about anything because texting people is kind of a fucking nightmare, which is, I mean, I honestly kind of cool because it's making me use the phone for the thing that it was actually meant for. True. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, I, like, I, I almost like, some sometimes I, it's not that I don't respond to text messages, but sometimes I let people text me a few times mm-hmm. before I respond. That way I can just respond to everything they have texted me about at the same time rather than being frustrated three times. Yeah, because you don't really want to do the, hey, hey, what's up? And do all the little stuff where, yeah, you can just kind of get straight yeah, to the no, point. Let's get to the yeah, let's get to the point. Let, let me know why you're uh, why you're talking to me and I can figure out what I need to say back to you in a concise manner. Also, there's this dumb button on the back of the phone where if I'm texting with one hand, if I accidentally hit this button on the back of the phone, it just erases the whole message I was typing. That's a weird button. Don't know what that's about. Yeah, it's a weird button. Why is that button there? It also doesn't make any sense. It looks like it's a button for Bluetooth, Mm -hmm. which why would the button for Bluetooth just delete the whole fucking text message? I don't understand that. Um, But yeah, I don't know. And, uh, but yeah, still rocking the flip phone. And no thought of uh, wanting to to um, upgrade because obviously I, I know you're uh, you know more than capable of, but you know you're having the flip phone by choice. Oh yeah, still 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 choice. Interesting, and and I, I know I I saw um, a while back uh, you aren't able to text to Twitter anymore. Yeah, the text to tweet is gone because uh fucking uh Jack Dorsey got hacked via his his text to tweet still being hooked up to his phone. Mm-hmm. Um, it like th- they were able to hack his Twitter because of that somehow. So I think unless you're in like the third world, you can't text to tweet anymore. Um, so even though it sucks in America, not technically the third world. So mm-hmm. uh, can't, can't text to tweet here. Damn. Um, which sucks. Cause I mean, that means that like, like, I mean, it is what it is. I don't, I don't care about Twitter anymore which is kind of like a little bit of a, uh, 
a fucking, I don't know, like a weight off. Okay. Because I would, you know, I would still like tweet every now and then and then, you know, do the weird thing where like, you know, six or seven hours later when I finally got home and got access to like, you know, my girlfriend's tablet or her, her, uh, her phone, I would like see how my tweet did. And it's like, that's such a fucking lame thing to do. Like, I, I, I realized I used to do that all the time. Like I would say, make a joke on Twitter and then I wouldn't know how anybody felt about it until eight hours later. And I would like look forward to seeing like, you know, how many, who, who, which of my friends thought that was funny or anything. And it's like, ah, you know, that's, that's just not something I need to really fucking use brain energy to, uh, to think about. So I don't do that anymore, anymore. Like if I, which, I mean, it does suck because it kind of just turned my Twitter into like my business Twitter where I just like repost LDB things. And it's not really like, you know, it's not really my Twitter anymore. It's just like another way that like I let people know, you know, what I like because I'll just like retweet my friends' records or new music or, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll repost something funny that somebody said, but at the same time, like I don't use it for my own, um, personal, uh, thoughts anymore, really, which is, you know, whatever. I mean, really who gives a fuck what I think about things. And also everybody doesn't need to have an opinion on everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And I really think that was like, when I got away from Twitter and realized like how much everyone feels the need to always chime in on whatever's going on. I'm like, a little relieved that I don't feel that pressure anymore. And I can kind of see that as, you know, kind of like the useless lip service that it was even when I was doing it every now and then that like, you know, like, Oh, this is going on. I should say something. No, you shouldn't. Is this affecting you personally? Like, is this, is this, is this, uh, is this directly related to, uh, to your struggle in any way? Um, are you just saying this so that you look like a good person? Um, just maybe just don't say anything. Maybe don't make this about you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 t I totally get that. Uh, I, I, I can't even remember the last time I chimed in on some, uh, you know, uh, um, like, you know, hardcore issue or, or, or whatever. I, cause I'm like, okay, like w when I look at it, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm just a normal person. I'm not, I'm somebody, uh, you know, who's like a celebrity or, um, you know, who people actually care what they have to say. Like, like the majority of my Twitter is just promoting the podcast and then other random thoughts, but it's not like, um, you know, I'm sitting there feeding it as much as I used to when I first got it. Cause now it's just like, uh, I'm like way less inclined to share a lot of personal stuff. Um, like I was back when I first got it. So it's just, um, I, I feel like I'm kind of like going in reverse, becoming more yeah, private. I mean, also just getting older. I mean, it's true. You, you, you like you get, uh, you get a little bit more of a perspective. You realize, you realize that like, I mean, I would definitely have like, like, I feel like every, every time you go through like a growth moment or whatever, you would see something that somebody else did like maybe you used to do and you go oh that doesn't really look good and then you kind of if you think about it for a second you're like ah oh, used to do that though it used to be me and uh those uh i feel like i don't know getting reminders like that are uh important to uh i don't know feel like you're growing 
Yeah, no, and I'll say I'm. I, I I didn't even realize that until you mentioned it. Like, yeah, yeah, like you're you're also getting older, and I'm like, yeah, that that is true, and that's not. I never even really took that into account because I still feel like I'm a kid, even though I'm 32 years old. Oh, same. Exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is strange because growing up, I always felt like you know, and I'm I'm not sure most people thought like this, but I, I always felt like there was going to be like this moment where you finally graduate from being a teenager to an adult, but it's just like, you kind of realize like, no, that, that never really happens. Yeah, no, I mean like the, me and, uh, me and my girlfriend bought a house last year and you'd think that would make me feel a little bit like an adult. Uh-huh. But the only thing I really care about right now is at some point repaving our driveway so it can be easier for me to skateboard on. So <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> like that's, this is my house priority at some point is uh is uh in this this spring i'm planning on building a grind box and i would like to repave my driveway that way i can skateboard on it like the still the adult things i would want to do are uh highly driven by childish uh childish desires yeah oh and congrats on getting a house that's awesome yeah dude it's uh it's pretty crazy i mean it's all her doing uh if if it wasn't for, I mean, I got a credit card and like started actually building my credit last year. Uh-huh. Um, even though credit is like something that absolutely like I don't agree with or, uh, or, uh, condone in any way, but, um, I'm doing it because it's, you know, something you kind of have to do to function. Oh, we got our, uh, our mailers came in today. Um, Sorry, I just pulled up a second ago, and now I'm walking around in front of my house. Oh, you're fine. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, she we she was we were moving out of our really shitty apartment um, last year. We knew we were going to be moving, and she was like, "Well, what do you think about us just like buying a place?" I was like, uh, "I mean, do you think we can?" And she kind of did. I mean, I was working six days a week and she, she was working from home a lot. And then she had a little bit of a break between different programs that she was working that, um, she started talking to lenders and figuring things out. And her parents helped us out a little bit. And my dad helped us out a little bit too. So we were able to, uh, to do this, which is fucking wild. I never, never thought I would be at a point where I would, uh, I would, own a house but uh yeah it's crazy yeah no it's definitely a, a big step but that's cool that i mean you guys were able to make it work because uh, that, that is a pretty big deal yeah i mean it's also cool that we did it when we did it because if we had done it this year it would have been way more expensive because all of uh louisville's like louisville housing market is like crazy because so many people from like the bigger cities are moving here or have been moving here since covid um like dude like towns like like cities like ours like have been booming from like west and east coast people like moving to these areas that weren't really as affected by covid uh-huh. um and i'm i'm curious how long they're gonna stay yeah and i'm curious what's gonna happen to the cities now that's the next thing i was gonna ask i was gonna uh, uh ask you your opinion on like how do you think that's going to change uh you know your area uh, is it going to get like super like gentrified and techie oh i'm sure i'm sure i mean there's uh like there's there's so many areas i mean the whole uh like 
one of the conspiracy theories behind the whole Breonna Taylor thing and not even really so much a conspiracy theory, like kind of just a conspiracy <laughs> um, is that uh, like part of like, you know, busting in on, on the cracking down on that neighborhood and whatnot was sort of a means to get people out of it. Cause there was like some like wild land deal for that area like that our mayor pulled like there was like in process even around when that happened uh-huh. and uh i don't know it just makes you wonder how many how many fucking people the cops displace because of you know gentrifying areas and it's all done in this you know war on drugs uh veil that they've been able to hide behind for so long uh, yeah. it's fucking gross but uh but yeah i mean i don't feel good about it I, I I can only imagine because uh, I'm living here in California. There's this like you know talks of like you know oh like mass exodus. Everybody's leaving because of um, our governor, and th- I, there has been like yeah, fuck I'm, him, fuck Gavin Newsom. Oh, piece of shit. <laughs> it, it's, fuck that guy. Don Jr. is banging his ex-wife too. Like <laughs> that dude, that dude sucks. Yeah, that he, dude sucks, and Don Jr. sucks, and his fucking ex-wife sucks. Fuck all those people, dude. <laughs> And yeah, and like I, I wasn't really familiar, uh, like super familiar with like you know our like local politicians till like this whole stuff you know started happening because you you kind of got to learn like oh like why are we locked down like w- like why haven't there been any like you know uh, real progress and like why are we stuck in these like weird tiers and like who's like you know kind of um, behind all this and then you know I, I started like reading and learning and it it definitely does suck uh, but I, I'm curious to just see how like you know uh, the state that I live in changes because. Uh, we're, we're starting to see things get better and everybody is, you know, they're saying it's cause, uh, Newsom's uh, was, uh, you know, intoxicating recall. So he's trying to, you know, uh, gain everybody, um, you know, gain everybody support back. So that's why things are trying to open up more and all these, like, especially out here in orange County, like, uh, like the biggest thing was, uh, Disneyland being closed. And, uh, it was just like this big confusion because, uh, you know, Disney world proved that they were able to run a theme park safe and no major outbreaks of the virus but you know i'm the officials out here there's like weird like you know politics and people didn't want it to open and they're saying that it wasn't safe but uh it's just crazy to see how, how quickly things turn around once things um, are seeming to go bad for the, the politicians or, or who are in charge of all this stuff it, it's it's crazy yeah i mean dude i mean it's just it's like it, it fucking sucks that that so many people who are in charge in this country like weren't honest with everybody about what was going on Uh like weren't honest with us about the severity of it and then haven't trusted like i mean it's no wonder that some people are like losing their fucking minds and like like i don't know having fucking like the fucking sturgis goddamn like motorcycle concert thing that happened like it's no wonder that people are like full tilt the other direction like I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Like, you you know, I'm not going to wear your fucking mask. I'm not going to do all this blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yeah, of course you're going to have, like, everybody went to school. Everybody knows that there's like, everybody remembers like the kid who like you treat like they're an idiot. So then they're like, fuck yeah, I'm fucking idiot. And then they like just act out because you've treated them like they're not smart enough to like do the right thing or make the right decisions. Like this whole fucking country has, either like like it's it's all like guilt and shame like it's never like you know sitting down and actually having like a real conversation and it's also like the government was completely unwilling to like take care of us 
Yeah. It, it, like during this. It was insane when you're looking at the other countries and like seeing how like, uh, you know, people were like with these lockdowns. They're like, All right, cool. Like you're going to be locked down. You're going to stay home. But like we're going to pay you, you know, X amount of your yeah, salary. We're going to fucking pay you. That's what fucking yeah. Germany, dude. And then Germany was having fucking concerts. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I don't know. And it's just crazy, too, because like like Angela Merkel's not any fucking better. Like they're all fucking like they're all this like elite fucking class of people who are running these fucking countries but some of them saw the forest for the trees and were like okay in order to protect capitalism we got to do a little bit of socialism right now uh-huh. and like it's crazy like it, it just sucks too because like the way the way things have been fucking portrayed in this country like not only did we do not only did we not do a little bit of socialism to protect capitalism but we didn't do anything and still capitalism is going to fucking reign supreme. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's still just like, like that fucking dude, the fucking, if, if that fucking retry of that Amazon plant getting to unionize doesn't go through, like I have no fucking hope for this country. <laughs> yeah. Amazon's a weird company. When, when you think about all the things that they're able to get away with, and I, I was just kind of looking at it sideways, like how? Uh, that, that's all I asked myself. Was like, how are they able to yeah. get away with so much? Dude, they just bro- they just broke the law, like constantly with that union vote. Like everything they were doing was illegal. Like they're not like they were forcing people to like sit through classes where they like taught them that unions are bad, and like calling people and texting people and telling them to vote no on this fucking union vote, which is fucking meddling in the goddamn like in your like your like your rights to unionize like i don't know it's just it's like the degree that they broke the law and there's going to be fucking no penalty because there's no penalty that we can impose on them like money isn't going to do anything yeah it's hard when you're battling against like you know the, the richest man in the world yeah and he backs in literally him him stepping away from being like ceo or whatever of amazon is all because him being so rich like he's the conversation uh-huh. like the com and that's, and that's the thing like they're trying to steer this to steer the conversation away from how rich Jeff Bezos is. And now they'll have some guy who isn't worth as much as Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos being in charge of the company thinking that, Oh, people will just forget that Jeff Bezos is so rich because that we're all so poor. And like, like, I don't know. It's just fucking gross. Yeah, they're just trying to change the the perspective. Like, okay, Jeff Bezos, they're, they're trying to kind of put him in, like, behind the scenes and uh, trying to change focus, but it's just like, yeah, like, it's hard to forget somebody like that. Yeah, no, dude. Like, I legitimately wrote, a, like, I wrote a song last year about how Jeff Bezos is Lex Luthor. <laughs> You know, um, I, I I was actually uh, I, I I read those lyrics, and um, as you were talking about the unions, I'm like, oh, like is it, uh, you know things are starting to click. I'm like, oh, and I, that starting to make sense. Yeah, no, I mean, dude, like, like I, the uh, the stuff I get to write in my constraint is way more fun. Like, I I love inclination, but like I don't have as much pressure writing constraint lyrics, so I get to kind of just write about whatever's making me mad at the moment. And like that's my like the thing that sucks is like. I fucking called this shit. Like people are making like Lex, like Jeff Bezos Lex Luthor jokes like a ton right now. And I'm like, I said that last year. Yeah, like, like, and I said that not only did I say that last year, I said it two years ago when I wrote the lyrics. <laughs> like those lyrics are two and a half years old. 
So I'm um, w- one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on is uh, to talk about uh, Constraint because I honestly wasn't aware of the band until I saw um, the LDB video and then I had to go do my research. Um, so I- I'm curious um, uh, if we can start there and talk about Constraint and then we'll talk about the other um, the other stuff that you're involved with. Like, um, can you talk about how oh, yeah, sure. um, how Constraint came together? Because did you guys start around the same time as Inclination? So, uh, kinda, I, it's honestly, it's kind of fuzzy and blurry to me. Um, actually, uh, you're talking to the, the brain, the brainchild of constraint. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, Jim Barron, who, uh, plays in that two witnesses band. Oh, oh, you, you heard about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I talked to him on the phone the other day and he said, he said he was, uh, he, cool. He's excited. Cause he's like, like, I mean, he's never been like the focus of any of, the bands that he does even though he's fronted a bunch of bands like mm-hmm. he was like excited he was like dude people are hitting me up to like do interviews and stuff and he was like i was you know i was pretty much fucking jerking him off because <laughs> the two witnesses demo is fucking awesome dude that yeah i i, and, I reached out because i heard that and i was like dude this band's fucking awesome um but yeah i mean dude jim's jim's one of my favorite like hardcore songwriters uh and the first the constraint demo is essentially jim wrote all of that um Steve, uh, uh, our friend Steve, who plays guitar in Constraint, um, he like helps a little or helped a little with the demo. But I mean, for the most part, like some of those songs, Jim walked in because um, Jim played drums in Constraint originally. Um, Jim walked in, played the guitar, played the drums, and recorded some of the the music for a couple of the songs. Like nobody else had any. Nobody else in the band had any input musically uh-huh. into some of those demo songs because I, I want to say we had like three songs written before we recorded the demo and two songs Jim might have just come in and done by himself. Um, and uh, I mean, I, he's been one of my one of my best friends, like slash my best friend for a very long time. I was the best man in his wedding or one of the best men in his wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, yeah, Constraint kind of started him. I want to say I want to say he might have still been playing in Wicked Garden at the time, because um, he he played drums. He played drums in Wicked Garden and then also played third guitar. I want to say in Wicked Garden at one point, um, but I think Constraint kind of started be, from them being at Wicked Garden practice and jamming some like sort of another victim New York uh, Syracuse kind of sounds stuff. And uh, the say I want to say the first song on our demo, "Protest Vote" and "False Flag," maybe off our demo. I think those were those were the, like a couple songs they had written for uh, for Constraint at a Wicked Garden practice, possibly. And I want to I want to say Inclination might have already been in the works, but we weren't. We didn't, I mean, because there was like a long time where Inclination didn't have a lineup or like any idea of how it was actually going to happen yet. We just had the music. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure Constraint beat Inclination to playing a show because I want to I wanna say I might have still had long hair when, uh, when Constraint played its first show or we played two songs during a Wicked Garden set. Um, and that was kind of the origin of constraint because I, I hadn't fronted a band in a while because I was doing like a like a metal band for a little bit after uh, like after and at the end of uh, another mistakes run. 
Um, and I want to say that I broke up and I, I don't think I was really doing any bands for like a year or so um, after the metal band dissolved. Um, but uh, yeah, Constraint kind of came together because Steve and Jim and Dustin, who uh, plays in, uh, he played guitar in Another Mistake, but he plays bass in Wicked Garden. Um, they all just, you know, it kind of jammed a little bit, I think, at their practices for Wicked Garden and decided they, you know, wanted me to, it, it was time, I think they felt like it was time for me to be front of band again. Cause it'd been like, I think like a year or so since I had been doing anything. Um, and I had a ton to write about cause I mean, fucking like Trump had just been elected. So there was like tons of shit to be mad about. And, uh, like I was super frustrated with how hardcore was going also, um, that I, I had a ton of things to talk shit about. So I was, uh, I was ready to go. Um, but when Jim was, he, he moved out to, uh, to the Bay for a little bit, um, after getting married. So around that time when he was, uh, doing that, he was like, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, step away from all my bands. So he was playing guitar in this band, love and trust, uh, from here that had members, a miracle drug, in uh-huh. it and ryan who uh who does ldb fest he's he's also in love and trust um but so he stepped away from love and trust he stepped away from constraint so this new kid uh named seth who he's filled in for inclination before um and uh they're just an awesome like seth's one of the best musicians in louisville and they play drums now and uh it's better with Seth because I mean, is as, as, as good of a musician and songwriter as Jim is, he's not like, like he doesn't crush it on the drums. Like, uh, he's not like a real drummer. He's like, just knows how to play drums mm-hmm. and can get by. Like drum was the original or Jim was the original drummer in, uh, another mistake too. And from the, another mistake demo and, uh, to, uh, to the constraint demo like you can hear that he got a lot better at playing drums but seth's like a real drummer and i think playing guitar is secondary possibly for seth where jim's primarily like a guitar player um but yeah that's kind of how constraint came to be and then we wrote the a couple of the songs on the constraint seven inch which we actually we did a split to uh, i think last time we talked um that split was like about to come out um but uh jim wrote that jim helped write the split too and jim wrote a couple i think i think jim wrote like one one and a half of the songs that are on our seven inch that'll be out soon um that nerf planet seven inch Uh um but uh but yeah the other songs were all written without jim which i think they did a pretty good job of like taking what he was uh doing with the band and kind of carrying it forward because I mean, it, when when you lose the primary person who directed the sound, you kind of. I've been in that position before in bands where the person, the main songwriter, leaves the band, and it's like, all right, well, we're all the rest of us are still here. So what are we what are we going to do? How are we going to try to you know continue this or capture what they were doing and and continue on and make it not sound like you know a completely new band i always wondered that about the mongoloids <laughs> that's that, that's so funny that, that you mentioned that yeah 
because he had so many players in that band over the years that like it's and he I don't I don't think Greg from the Mongoloids plays anything so like to essentially rely on somebody else to come in and give their take and it be you know good enough is super super remarkable that they were able to continue on so many times with so many different lineups yeah when they came out with the the new beginnings I was like I was like, okay, is this going to be like the Mongoloids or is this going to be something different? But no, like they sound just like the Mongoloids. Yeah. So I, I was pretty yeah. impressed. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really weird. Cause I mean, dude, sometimes like guitar players like have like a, a certain signature and Jim for sure has like kind of a signature on how he, he writes like um, the, he, he fronted that band nine eyes that LDB did uh, a seven inch for. Um, and the first nine eyes stuff was all him writing it. And like, to a certain extent, like I can, I can tell when something is written by Jim, Mm -hmm. but the two witnesses stuff is kind of a, a whole, like he's, he's playing a whole new game with, with that shit. It's, it's like, there's certain parts where I can like, yep, that's, well, there's certain parts that Jim writes and I can, and I can point that out as like, yep, I, I can hear Jim right here. But the reason I can hear it is because I know I can I can hear like the thing like there's there was a part in a Nine Eyes song that he wrote that was very like um, akin to uh, this part in a Depression song. Which have you ever heard Depression? No, I'm not familiar. They're they were an Atlanta band. The um, the singer for that Love Is Red band. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was after Love Is Red. He did Depression, and it's uh, Champ from uh, Foundation playing drums. Okay. Um, those are the only people I can remember who were in it, but um, dude, I, I there's they have a song uh, called "The Ghost of Cabbage Town" that's like a like an all time fucking hardcore song. Like it's it's a fucking crime that that shit isn't on like streaming, or I don't even think it's on YouTube. Like I think I have it on an iPod, like an like an old like thirty gig iPod in my in my house. Mm-hmm. That's wild. But uh, there was like there is a breakdown in in a depression song that he like pulled directly like it's one of one of like because we used to just talk about how like that breakdown is so sick like i wish that breakdown was in more songs and then he put it in a nine eyes song and i'm pretty sure he's put it in the two witnesses song as well which it's 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 fucking awesome like that those like i don't know it's like it's like bouncy but also like uh i don't know it's like a, a breakdown that makes your shoulders do a thing that that only a breakdown like that can make your shoulders do a thing. Okay. Um, but yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, you asked me about constraint and I've just been talking about Jim Bear. No, no, it's, it's totally, it's, it's totally awesome. This is, this is great news. Um, I'm, I'm happy to hear a, a lot of great things about him. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to, to be able to, to talk to uh, Jim about uh, two witnesses, but I'm curious, uh, why isn't Jim in constraint anymore? Is it cause he moved to the uh, Bay? Well, and... I mean, just, just, yeah. Cause he moved to the Bay and I'm, honestly, it's one of those, he like like it's he's one of those people that like i like not just with hardcore but like with music in general that like there have been times where i've been like frustrated with him that he doesn't just find a way to get paid to produce music because he's so good at and he has such a good ear for like i feel like like helping music along Mm -hmm. like isaac's kind of the same way like that like where if you're doing something like he can almost like come in and be like, no, you should do it like this. And then you're like, Oh yeah. 
that is the better way of the thing that I was just doing. And like, rather than like make like ghostwriting it or making it his thing, like he finds a way to like make your thing better. And, uh, so like Jim's really good at starting bands. <laughs> Jim's really good at like starting bands, giving you a thing and then kind of sending you on your way, which I feel like is what he kind of did with love and trust. And, uh, and um and constraint which i don't think he's coming back to playing in love and trust i think they they changed the lineup and are going to keep it that way because i think uh jeremy who played bass in miracle drug and he played um he was i'm blanking right now yeah i think jeremy yeah jeremy who played bass in miracle drug and he uh he wasn't in love and trust. I think he's going to move to playing guitar in love and trust, which he's never really played guitar in a band. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm like more excited that Jim, if Jim doesn't come back because I'll get to see one of my friends who I never get to see play guitar, play guitar. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, just to be clear. Yeah, also, I mean, just constraints, constraints, like constraints better without him <laughs> because that's the better drummer. And I mean, it, it would be, like always fun to like play with Jim, but like even he after our uh after our LDB set, he was like that's fantastic drummer. Like you got to sound way better with that. Like Jim even like admitted that like the band is like like better with him. I mean he he just he should be playing guitar. He should be playing guitar or fronting a band. Like those are the things that he's he's the best at when it comes to uh actually like playing live. For sure. And th- that's cool that uh, he's able to recognize that. Well, yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, it's just, it's, he's Jim's like Jim being good at drums doesn't make much sense because he's never really gotten to practice. So like when he was better at drums in constraint than he was before, it was like, well, I don't know how you did that, but cool. <laughs> like, I don't know how you got better at this after not doing it for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, cause he is... didn't play drums for, you know, he didn't play drums consistently for like five years and then was just better at drums when he played the second time. But also he's kind of like a savant like that where like, he's just can, I don't know. It's, it's, he plays, I feel like with, with drums, he would play within his limitations so well, like he knew what he couldn't do. So he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So you never heard him like trying to do something that like didn't work he just figured out what he could do that worked and did that, which I think the best drummers are like able to do that. Like to know when less is more. Interesting. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like power trips. I feel like power trips drummer does, did that really well. They're old drummer. Okay. Their, 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 their new drummer was good too, but like the, like the drumming on like the first power trip records, like when you realize like how minimal it is sometimes, and it's like, it's, I mean, it's like leeway drumming. Like you realize like what, like what works. And then when you can like, when you can just like kind of sit back and let like the silence work or let like just the guitar or one guitar work where you can do like what, I mean, it's, I, uh, I always, uh, the breakdown in the Iceman song, uh, shadow out of time that always comes to mind because that drum beat is almost nothing. Mm-hmm. It essentially like lets the guitar do all the work. But the fact that the drum is drumming is so minimally is what makes me want to kill somebody. Yeah. 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 And sometimes less is more. Oh yeah. Less is, less is more, more often than not. 
Okay. Well, damn. This uh, I'm and I, I'm curious about. Uh, you mentioned that uh, split that Constraint put out um, back in 2018. Um, you have a song on there titled LDB, which I think is uh, pretty fascinating. Uh, since you know, there's the mm-hmm. the the fest, the the label. So I'm um, obviously I it, it has like a, a lot of um, you know meaning uh, to you. But w- when I was reading the lyrics, I was like, wow, oh, this is actually like you know pretty awesome. Like the like the lyrics that I read and what I took from it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, I, I feel like, like uh, people from your area should like, you know, go crazy for this song. Cause it, it, you know, it could be like this, this, this movement. Well, yeah, I mean like LDB, is, the, the song LDB is a love song to the kids mm-hmm. in Louisville, like in general, like they're all a bunch of fucking freaks. Like so many of them are like weirdo misfit kids who don't fit in anywhere and dress like fucking psychos and like, like, but I don't know. One of the things I loved about, uh, I loved so much about Louisville in general, especially like when, when the scene's really fucking going and like kids are coming and losing their minds is in other cities you go and you see like, you know, a bunch of the same haircuts and a bunch of similar, like, like I remember the time in, in, in hardcore when like every guy was wearing like khaki shorts and like a dad hat. Mm-hmm. And then there was like the times when like everybody was wearing like five panel hats. And then there was the times when everybody was wearing camo pants and you'll find kids dressed like that in Louisville. But then you also have like all these like queer kids and all of these just different, like different fucking goofballs who aren't, who are there to whip the shit out of each other. Like it's, it's, it's not like you, like I've been to, I've been to places all over the country where like, you'll see kids dressed like this and you're like, oh, okay. So tonight's going to be like kind of shot. Like we're going to see a lot of folded arms. We're going to see like, you know, you know, they're here. Maybe they'll buy a shirt. Maybe they'll buy a record, but they're not going to have any fun. And in Louisville, you see kids who look all across the spectrum from normal to complete fucking freaks and they're all there to behave the exact same way <laughs> that's that's awesome that, that, that that's so cool yeah no it, it rules yeah because i i often find and, and it sucks uh, that like there's a lot of people who just aren't like you know comfortable being themselves and that that just makes me so sad so when i, I hear you speaking about your scene and uh, you know kids coming out just uh, you know dressed and not trying to follow some trends they just come out and are themselves and able to to have fun that that's just like so cool to me yeah i mean dude i mean that that's like it's always like i don't know it just makes me so happy like there have been so many times where like, like if my, my girlfriend can like attest to these times where like, we'll be leaving a show like on like a fucking Wednesday night where like maybe 50 kids showed up, but 40 kids moshed and I will be leaving and I'll just have the biggest smile on my face. And I'll be like, they did it again. They all came. <laughs> Everybody came and had fun tonight. Like it happened again. Like, another week like i can't believe it like i still can't believe like they just keep like everybody just keeps showing up and having this much fun like like even even when like the show is almost shot like they still find a way to like make it worth it for the bands to be there and like buy shirts and fucking buy records and support them and make it a fun fucking night which i don't know i just always like i don't know i just always appreciate it like whether the band's a nobody band or a band's a fucking like i've even seen like like 
hyped bands play sem- like semi shop shows in Louisville, yet still like the hyped band has like everybody there into it. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be shows sometimes that are like not even like that that big of a band but everybody's happened to show up tonight and even though the band doesn't matter everybody's still or you know doesn't matter in quotes to you know the the whole sphere of hardcore in louisville that night for 15 minutes it could have been fucking hate breed yeah and i feel like that's that kind of reaction and that kind of environment that's going to want to make people travel to and want to play those shows because uh, to, to know that they could go out and um, you know kids are going to show up and you'll get their money's worth because yeah people pay money to, to to get into these shows and um, sometimes when I watch I'm like man I I hope they're enjoying themselves because like a lot of people look bored yeah yeah no and that's and that like that was Louisville for like my whole like younger years so like to see it like maintain I mean hopefully when COVID comes back, it's still there, but like to see like that spirit of like participation, like maintained for so long. I mean, it's really, it's really fucking moving, man. It, and I mean, that, that's what that song is about. That song is like a love song to our, our kids. Yeah. No, I'm reading those lyrics and it's pretty powerful. And, and, and this is me like, you know, I'll like, I'm not from there. I've never even been there, but just like looking at it and just kind of, I'm taking it in and kind of trying to apply it to the, kids around here it's just like yeah i love that song oh dude so funny that uh i that we're talking this week because uh and i don't know if you ever watched it but me and my girlfriend started watching the oc oh love that show five days ago okay dude i love it so much i've only seen the first season but um like re-watching in the first season right now i'm like just fucking just remembering how fucking great sandy cohen is dude just what a fucking hero dude, dude. great dad like just yeah great dad dude yeah just his like just him as a person in that show just the things that that he does it's, it's amazing dude i'm uh we haven't gotten to the point where his coworker makes a move on him and he does the fucking right thing and i'm so hyped for that part because i remember just like being like like so surprised that the show didn't just have him be a shithead mm-hmm. like the show was like no no no, no. this guy's great <laughs> he's infallible in this situation he's gonna do the right thing and then like because i mean almost any like any like desperate housewives or any fucking other show that's like about like you know that tells like adult drama like it's always it's all about fucking cheating and fucking being being shitty and like to like have that reinforced in the OC we're like no no no, no. he's the golden boy he's great mm-hmm. I'm so excited for that to get to that part again yeah it, it's uh, it's so great and you know what's funny is um uh uh Seth Seth Cohen he's the reason why my favorite uh, comic book writer is Brian Michael Bendis because I'm um, you know when I was younger. Uh, I didn't really have like a, a local comic shop. So I'm just literally watching that show and just hearing him talk about like actual like comic book, like artists and writers. That's how I kind of got turned on to um, some of my favorite writers to this day. That's so cool. You, I mean, the only thing they've really associated Seth with as far as comics is like, like he was reading a Batman comic in one of them. And then he was reading an Asriel comic and another one. And uh, I'm trying to think of, Oh fuck! They, they were talking about something. They were talking about the new the new issue of something else, and and uh, him and Ryan were in one of the episodes we just watched. And I I, it, I don't know how it ends, 
so I'm so excited to see like where some of the characters go oh, wait. And, and what happens with them. How far have you gotten? Yeah, I've only seen the I've only seen the first season. Oh, and I honestly, and at this point, I'm not even sure if I finished the first season. So oh, we're only okay. on like episode nine or something right mm-hmm. now. So you didn't spoil anything for me. I'm honestly just a little more excited about it now. But uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, just don't don't tell me if somebody died or something. But uh, but yeah, no, that's that's really fucking cool. I uh, I love Adam Brody. I um, I, I like the idea. I like to carry the idea that Adam Brody's character in uh, in uh, the OC and Adam Brody's character in Gilmore Girls are like connected in some way. And and Seth Cohen is just after uh, after his character from Gilmore Girls moved to California because that's what happens to his character in Gilmore Girls. Oh, really? Moves to California. <laughs> yeah, that's how he got written out of Gilmore Girls because he got the OC. Oh, that's so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it, they were uh, like, they were, oh, go ahead. He was, uh, he was dating, he was dating one of, uh, one of the Rory's friends in Gilmore girls. Uh, he was dating Lane and they were in a band together and their band bro- breaks up because he has to move to California. And then literally the reason that he left the show is because starring in the OC was better than showing up every now and then in Gilmore girls. Yeah, for sure. Being a, like a main character versus like a, just a reoccurring character. Yeah. That's also the fact that Adam Brody actually learned to skate to be in the OC is sick. I, the fact that like, it's not like there, I noticed in one of the early episodes, they go, they go to that pool and at the, uh, the housing development or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you see him do like an, in, an indie grab in the pool but he's regular footed when he does the indie grab. And when you see him skating any other time, he's goofy footed. So I was like, okay, so they, they got somebody to come in and like do a trick yeah. and dress like him for a second, but they didn't think the continuity, yeah, <laughs> making sure the person stood the same way as him. But any of the other times you see him, like it's actually him riding around on a skateboard and he might not be able to do many tricks, but at least he looks uh, comfortable cruising. Yeah. Which I appreciate. For sure, no, I, I, I totally get that because for me, all the times that I've ever tried to ride a skateboard, I look so uncomfortable because I'm like so scared to ride those things. Yeah, you got to start when you're short, dude. It's... You got to start when you're short and your center of gravity's low, and that's really that's that's where it is. If you, I always, whenever I've talked to kids who are like, I'm thinking about starting to skate, and they're like 20, I'm like, just you should have. The better thing would be to find a time machine first. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if you didn't start when you were 13 or 11, like it's going to be a while till you have fun. Like that's the thing that like people, a lot of people don't understand. Like uh, Trey, um, Trey Garris, the youngest uh, Garris brother, he uh, he kind of started skating a couple years ago, and he started skating fucking late. Like he started skating when he was like 16 or something like that, or 17, and uh, I think 16. He started skating when he was 16, and he's just now like getting to the point where I'm sure he'll be able to kickflip soon, but it's like, you, you don't realize that like when you, when you start skating, like you don't get like, you don't, you don't just like learn how to do tricks. Like you spend a long time, like learning how to just ride the skateboard. <laughs> yeah. And, and like before you're actually jumping around, like, like it, it doesn't seem as bad when you're like, when you start skating when you're 11 and you can't do a kickflip till you're 13, like I did, I couldn't. But when you start skating when you're like 18 or 20 and you don't learn how to kickflip till you're like 24, it's like that's you don't understand how much like how many hours you have to spend before you get to the point where you can do a trick like that. And that's why so many people like who start skating late just don't keep doing it. 
because you you'll like go and skate with your friend who like me who like I skated for from the time I was 11 till I was 24 pretty consistently until I hurt my knee the first time and even after you know putting on probably 70 pounds since I started skating and or maybe 80 pounds I was probably like less than 100 pounds when I started skating honestly but uh putting on as much weight as I have since then and you know getting older and more decrepit I can still do a 360 flip <laughs> like that shit didn't go away like if I skated with somebody who just started skating and I haven't skated in years I can still do like a lot of the tricks I could do back then I can't you know fucking hit an 11 stair handrail anymore but uh I uh I can I can you know I can ollie up like a three or four stair still like again, Ollie high still, I can do those things. And it's like, I think it's a little discouraging for people who like start skating as an adult that you don't, you really have to like reckon with the fact that like shit, like I'm, I'm starting behind the curve. Like anybody I, I'm skating with who like, even if they haven't skated in years, like dude, Ryan story who does LDB fest, I didn't even know he could skate. And then we got skateboards whenever I started back skating together. And he's good, and I had no idea. I didn't even know he could skate, and he's good. It just never came up? It just never came up, and I'd never known him as a skateboarder. I'd known him for like four years. That's crazy. I want to say like four, four or five years at that point, because I, I want to say, I don't know, maybe even more longer than that. Like We might have known each other for six years at that point, and I never even knew he could skate. And then we started skating, and I'm like having to relearn everything because I haven't skated in you know five years and he just could do things but he's also a couple years younger than me so i think his body bounces back still a little faster than mine does but yeah by the end of the day like i mean i could do a few things that i couldn't do when i started that day but that motherfucker could do everything right away and it really fucked me up so yeah. like i can't imagine what it's like for like somebody to just start skating and then have to you know skate with people who are you know not professional level but you know at least like competent it's super like i mean it's it's a really discouraging sport or you know art whatever you want to call it because it's all on you true yeah i I, I never alone never really had the real motivation to to try to to become a skater because i i I thought it was cool i I, I i'm friends who are good at skating i i love watching skate videos but um once i got out there and kind of realized like okay like they have to put in real work i was like i don't think i got that kind of time anymore (laughs) yeah no dude that's the thing like if you don't have time to go out in your parking or out in your driveway and just like learn how to roll back and forth or like you know learn how to kick around and, and cause momentum without putting your feet on the ground. That's the big thing. I always try to get anybody who uh, is like just learning to skate is to show them how like you don't have to push. You can just like wiggle back and forth and like lift the wheels up and you can like kick your wheels around and you can get yourself going like that and doing things like that will help your balance better than like pushing, like pushing doesn't help your balance as much as like, essentially like trying to make yourself fall off your board and then not falling off your board like fighting with it like that is like better for your central nervous system learning how to but it's also one of those things where it's like i'm like trying to help people get to like the finish line faster and they can only do it on their own yeah you can only help so much yeah like i can give you like i I can tell you the things that i wish somebody told me 
but it's up to you to understand what that what any of that means. Interesting. Okay. And um, as far as I, you know, you skating these days, are you still doing it pretty often, or is it just whenever you can? Uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't skated. We we since it got cold, and now that it's getting warmer, like I'm thinking about going again. But I mean, mostly like I was going to the park a little bit with Trey and uh and Isaac because Isaac started skating um during COVID. And I was going to the park a little bit with them for a while, but uh, yeah, the last time I went skating, it was me and Jim. It was after Jim moved back from the Bay. Um, Me and Jim and Isaac went and skated a parking lot for like a few hours one night or eh, maybe like a couple hours. And I I think that was the last time I actually stepped on my skateboard, but um, I'm missing it lately, especially because it's starting to get fucking warm again. Damn, damn, that's crazy because... When I live out, well, I, I live out here, so I don't really like. That's not something I really have to take into account, like, um, like you know, it getting too cold or you know, snow or anything like that out here. So, it, it, it is. Oh uh-huh, yeah, it must be fucking nice. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to rub it in, but <laughs> I, I, I just that blows my mind when I hear you speak about like, oh, it was like too cold. I'm like, oh shit, like it snows oh, yeah, out no, there. Dude. I mean, we we went sledding this year. Like it, it snowed enough. Like it snowed enough. We went sledding and we built a shitty snowman in our fucking front yard like um like it snowed enough on a few occasions that like you could actually do that and like it snow in louisville like kind of comes and goes like uh like there will be like a few years where it doesn't really happen and then one year where it happens a lot um but uh yeah i mean it got pretty it got pretty it didn't really get that like brutally cold this winter but it got you know we got cold enough and we had enough like weather to actually experience a real winter but uh yeah and also like there's an indoor skate park that i would go to that i probably would have gone to and would well the skate park where ldb fest happens uh riot which is the the skate park that i skated on the team of when i was a kid um but uh like skating with a mask on eh, you know what nah i'm good Mm-hmm. I'll go skate in the parking lot by myself. I'll go over to Indiana and skate a park where I can be outside and, you know, far away from people. And, you know, that was, that was more appealing to me. And also they had like the downtown skate park here, like, like monitored by police for almost the whole beginning of lockdown for a while to keep people off of the skate park. Um, That's crazy. So, like, but Indiana, but Indiana is like a fucking lawless land. So they didn't lock down like at all. So you could always go to the Indiana skate park and not that many people would go to it. So you'd only ever be there with like maybe 30 people and everybody could be pretty far away from each other. Um, and I'm also one of those people that like when, like when I go skating, like I'm not, hang- I'm not there to hang out. Yeah. You're there to actually like, I'm skate. There to, I'm there to, I'm there to, I'm there to kickflip something. Like I'm there to fucking like, I'm there to find something that I haven't done yet and, and spend the day working up to that thing and then leaving, hopefully doing that thing. So I spent like the whole time, like on board where like everybody would kind of like chill out on the, on the hill and like watch everybody else skate. I'm like, no, I want to like, I want to be down there. And also not only do I want to land this, I want to land it like to the best of my ability and be happy. Like there is this pole thing that, uh, I was (laughs) one of the, one of the days that we went there, I, I like kick flipped over it. But when I landed, I like put my hand down on the ground mm-hmm. for like a second. And I was like, ah, I can land it without that. I know I can land it without that. And then the next time I did it, I landed it again. 
like I think I did it like first or second try and then I landed it two times in a row but the second time I landed it I didn't like how the board flipped which is this is like how I hurt my knee in the first place is like I hurt my knee doing a trick that like I'd already landed but I thought I could do it better yeah and but so I've learned nothing <laughs> I've learned nothing because then I spent 20 minutes trying to do it again and didn't land it until I did land it one time and I was like all right that was the one and then I left <laughs> And then the next time I went, I did I did the kickflip again three times in a row. But every time I did it, I wasn't happy with it. And then I spent 15 minutes trying to do it again. <laughs> it's like, like just really, really, like absolutely, like not like a well functioning brain in my head. Yeah, it just sounds like you know you're trying to get it all perfect, but it's uh, pretty rough and kind of insane to think about because um, obviously there's like all these different variables to a, a trick, and then obviously you don't want to land it sketchy. Yeah, but you also like you don't want to get hurt, <laughs> and especially when you're trying something that like you could get hurt doing. Like that, that was I mean it's the reason my body's in such disarray is because. Not only did I spend, you know, my younger years throwing myself off buildings and downstairs and shit, but I did it until I did it perfect. <laughs> yeah. And then you've already hurt yourself doing, you know, tricks on your skateboard. So the fact that you're still, you know, kind of in the same mindset, it, it, it is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, no, it's, it's like literally like the more things change, the more things stay the same. <laughs> but, but, but I, I guess, okay, so you, you, you hurt your knee, but you can't let that kind of, uh, you know, turn you away from trying these things right i feel like you just gotta live your life oh, yeah. i mean it's it's really like i mean like i'm also I'm like like we we talked when we talked last time i remember talking about like going back to like weightlifting and stuff and i never did that mm -hmm. like i still i still work out every day but i've just been doing like body weight calisthenics and stuff and um like i do like a lot of my knee pt things and still but like I, I still haven't like felt comfortable like moving back to like lifting weights mostly because I think I see that as being the thing that really tore my body apart the most. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I do find myself wanting to do that more lately. Um, but even if I do start doing that again, like it's going to be under completely different conditions than what I was doing before. Like I'm not going to do three hours in a fucking gym you know, three or four days a week. Like that's just not something my body, uh, needs to have that's been on insane. It at 32 years old. That's a yeah, long I mean, time. No, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's also like, I'm not fucking, I'm not going to fucking compete in powerlifting. I was never lifting to like, to like, you know, to do anything like that. I was literally like the reason I exercise is so I can eat whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And I've managed to do that for almost two years now without uh like without going to a gym i've managed to just work out at home and not you know be out of shape so obviously you know i think i'm i think i think what i'm doing right now is healthier in the long run yeah i'm it's, hoping it's, it is at least it's not super necessary to go to a gym and spend that much time there yeah no i mean it's, it's at a certain point you're doing more harm than good yeah, because obviously you, you um, going, you said three to four days a week. Obviously, there is some time for your body to, to rest. But yeah, if you're breaking it down that that much, uh, you're probably not giving enough time to rest. No, no. And I certainly fucking wasn't. Yeah.
That's wild. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're able to at least, you know, still work at home and still be able to maintain the lifestyle where you can eat whatever you want because food's fucking awesome. Yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, that's, that's the whole, the whole goal is just to fucking not have to feel like bad about eating foods that aren't exactly great for me. But also, I mean, over the course of, uh, this insane fucking working seven days a week stint that I'm doing right now, I want to say I've eaten fast food twice. And then I got like carry out the other day from a place with Prosser. And those are the only times in like 10 straight weeks of work that I haven't like, I haven't, I've, I've cooked like I've cooked or like my girlfriend has cooked dinner for ourselves and not just like eating like shitty food from, you know, fast food or anything like that. So that's another thing that like I'm trying to do better at is like, actually like, even if I'm eating whatever I want, making sure I'm like not eating just like shitty fast food. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. Cause I, um, I've cut way back on cause it, cause it's so easy to you know, All right, cool. Let me just hit yeah. this drive through real quick, but it's just like, all right, let me put a little more effort into what I'm putting into my body. And it, it definitely does make a difference. I'm, uh, and it is like simple as it sounds. It's like, yeah, like if, if you just change the way you eat and like what you put into your body, it, it can make such a big difference. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it should make you feel better. It can make you feel so much better. Yeah. Just, like just not having all the grease or all the fucking like just the, I don't know, everything that they put in food like that to make it easy to prepare fast. Like mm-hmm. it's just not good. It's all cancer. Like I always, I work in the frozen department at, at, at the grocery store and people are like, what's good over here? And I'm like, nothing. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> go get not something a goddamn fresh. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a goddamn thing. You want to know what I buy from here? Waffles. That's the only thing I buy from my department. Buy fucking Eggos every now and then. Okay. That is fucking it. Like, <laughs> nothing's good. It's all cancer. Like, sure, buy it because I have a job here, but, you know, whatever. Definitely get something better for you. Yeah, it's, it's that weird truth. Like, I want something, I want something healthy, and I'm like, you're in the wrong fucking aisle. Yeah, it's like the produce department's on the other side of the store. Yeah, it's literally the opposite side of the store. Go over there. You don't need to be over here. It's not good. Yeah. These vegetables are not good for you, except for maybe the frozen vegetables. But whatever. Just don't don't get that healthy choice meal. Nothing about that is healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing it, about it, this choice is healthy. It's a scam. You're just buying into these labels that like make you feel better just because it says the word healthy on it. Yeah, it says lean on it. Like, it means you will be leaning after eating this. <laughs> like, um, well, okay. Since we're on the topic of food, I, I have to ask you about this restaurant. Um, I'm just curious if you've ever been there, uh, uh, Vincenzo's. Vincenzo's. Yeah. I've heard of that. What is that? Um, okay, and I'm just gonna be clear. Uh, I heard it in a rap song, so I, I, I had to look it up. Uh, I'm, I mean, I only looked it up once I found out where the rapper is from because he's from uh, uh, Louisville area. Um, but it, I, I guess wait, it's just, who is it? Uh, Jack Harlow. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he, he um, uh, references uh, well, he says Vincenzo's and his "What's Poppin'" like his biggest song. Um, and I, I, you know, like I said, I, I didn't know it was from your area until I kind of dug a little deeper. So I was just curious. I was like, I wonder if it, I know anybody who's ever been there. But it's supposed to be like some. You know, like, I've never been there before. I, uh, I honestly can't even picture where it is right now. I just know I've, I know I've heard of it, and I can't. Mm, you know what? I've got my iPod in my pocket right now. I'm going to look it up. Wait. 
Okay, I I have the address if if that will help. I was, oh yes, give me the address and I will I will type it into my iPod and I'll figure out. Because actually, I am starting to be suspicious that I might have been there at one time. Okay, so it's one. What's the address? One fifty South Fifth Street, Louisville, Kentucky. One fifty South Fifth Street. I'm pulling up a map. Okay, yeah, I went to Vincenzo once. Uh, I took uh, I took a girl when I was uh, a freshman in college. I went to prom okay. with. Uh, this girl who went to one of the the high schools that like all my friends went to around that time. And I'm pretty sure Vincenzo's is where we went to eat as like the big like prom party beforehand. And I specifically, now I'm remembering I was being stupid and silly with this kid, Jay, who uh, used to go to shows, but was like, he was like a normal person. Mm-hmm. But Jay was a really, really uh, like weird situation where there was a band that um they used to just play like covers back in high school they would just do like entire cover sets um all the kids from the band ended up going on to do like more like real bands later but at the time in high school they were in like a like a instrumental band so every now and then their instrumental band would just do a set of like weezer and blink 182 covers and whatnot but their bass player wasn't good enough to play josie i think Oh, wow. By Blink-182. But Jay could. So Jay would always play Josie because he could play that bass part. Um, and, uh, yeah, but me and Jay were acting a fool, and his girlfriend, this her name was literally Karen, um, she was getting all mad because we were acting like children at this fucking nice-ass restaurant. And I, I remember sitting across from Karen, and I looked at her, and I went, Karen, you're in fucking high school. <laughs> Lighten the fuck up. Like, I was the oldest person there. Like, I mean, I was only a year older than all of them, but, mm-hmm. like, I was the only one there in college. And they, and she was trying, like, they used to, the, the, that, like, that group of kids who were, uh, who went to that school would always try to, like, do, like, very, like, adult things all the time. That's whack. Like, I remember one time, oh, dude, so whack so whack like one time they were all having like a couple's like dinner party at this kid uh this kid brent's house and actually brent ended up turning out like turning out punk and uh i just saw him the other day um and talked to him a little bit but he he, like still comes to shows now but uh he was like he was like the only gay kid Mm -hmm. back then so like all the girls all the all the regular liberal white girls had to be friends with brent because they you know were they stereotyped him and flocked to him and were like his friends just because they wanted, they liked having a gay friend, um, which I liked having Brent around because he was nice. Yeah. Not because of his uh, sexual orientation. Like he was nice and everybody else was pretty mean to him. All the other boys were pretty mean to him, but, uh, I, I, I liked Brent cause he was nice. And, um, but, uh, they were all having this like stupid fucking dinner party thing. And they all got dressed up. So me and my friend Alan had bought airsoft guns that day at the flea market. And we, our kind of group of idiots crashed the couple's dinner party. And we also got dressed up, but we just looked like, like the Beastie Boys because we were wearing suits that like didn't fit us. <laughs> it's oversized. And, um, yeah, they were very fucking bad looking. They were just bad looking suits. We looked like, like 
children in suits that we got at, at fucking like a thrift store that day. Um, but we showed up in, in suits and with airsoft guns and got in an airsoft gun fight. And all the guys who were at this, like, you know, pretending to be adult dinner party, like, um, Mo, who sings in two witnesses, he was there and, um, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of other like younger kids who, you know, used to go to shows. And I don't think really any of them come around anymore, but, um, all the boys were all of a sudden, like completely distracted from their girlfriends and obsessed with the fact that we had airsoft guns. So since I was the only one who was 18, well, me and this, me and this kid who literally his, his nickname was Mosh. Interesting. Because he wore a shirt that said Mosh on it one time. And that's all you needed. That's all you needed for your nickname to become that forever. His name was Jason, I think, but, uh, I don't, I'm not even really sure. I just really remember him as Mosh, like Mo. Uh, Mo, who sings in Two Witnesses, the reason his nickname is Mo is his name is Robert Patrick Ryan, nicknamed Mo, because one time he had a mohawk. That was all. That was all you needed. Wow. For your nickname to be Mo, forever. He's yeah. still Mo to me. But uh, we all went to uh, we all went to Walmart, and me and, the, and Mosh were in charge of gathering money for everybody and going in and buying as many airsoft guns as we could with said money. And then we went back to uh, this, you know, pretending to be an adult couple's dinner party and had a brutal airsoft gun fight for four hours in the house. And there were just airsoft BBs everywhere in Brent's house. All of his plants were full of holes. Like, I, I want to say his parents were like out of town that weekend or something. Like, we at least helped, like, vacuum them all up afterwards. But, I mean, I can't imagine his parents didn't notice that all their plants were, like, shot full of holes. Yeah. But, dude, that's – yeah, take that, Karen. I, I feel like I'm trying to be, like, super serious. <laughs> dude, it's like – I feel like having fun is way more important than trying to act a certain way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, dude, like, just be a kid. Like, to be a kid for as literally as long as you can. Because the second your life is – the second your work – like – Right now, working seven fucking days a week for 11 straight weeks or 10 straight weeks, whatever the fuck I'm at right now, you know what I really, really, really appreciated? Being a fucking kid. Yeah. For as long as I fucking could. Like, and I, I, I think I did that for well into my fucking late 20s. I still stayed a fucking kid. Yeah, I, I, I just, I always try to just maximize like my happiness. Like, and I, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't uh, do it all the time, but like, th- that's like, like something that I, I really always try to focus on these days. Cause in, in the grand scheme of things, like the bigger picture, you kind of realize like we're, we're not here forever. So I always just, you know, want to make the most of my time here. Yeah. Not here for a long time here for a good time. Yeah. I, I totally back that. Um, but okay. So, uh, uh, getting back on track is obviously, uh, you know, asked about Vincenzo's and I'm hearing that awesome story. So I, I'm, uh, you know, cool that, that you, you went there. I'm, I would like to go there at some point, uh, whenever I get out to your area. I want to say that was the only time I ever went. I don't even remember the food. I just remember telling that girl to chill the fuck out. Yeah, no, great story. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, at some point I, I would like to go there just to say that I went. Sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. I've never really, uh, like, um, I'm blanking on his fucking name right now. The other kid from Louisville, um, who was, was popping for a while. I liked a few of his records, but I've never really checked out Jack Harlow. 
I, uh, as far as like the establishment, like Louisville, like bands that, uh, or like, you know, music that like, that hits the national stage, like the, uh, my favorite of it is, and it's, you know, completely because they're like little, little brothers to, to me because I knew them all when they were like 11 and 12 and 13, but that White Reaper band, um, Great they're band. like the only ones who like made it and i'm like i like i still listen to that it fucking blows my mind they they play like some of those new songs off the new record in my fucking grocery store like kroger plays it over their fucking uh over their kroger radio now and i'm like how the fuck is this happening right now <laughs> like this this would be like i don't know it's 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 so it's so strange it's so strange to me that like they've reached the point where like their music has been sold to people who distribute it to fucking play it in fucking grocery stores yeah like it's one thing for it to be in a few episodes of shameless and like um in letter kenny and shit but for it to be fucking playing like multiple times a day and every time i hear it i'm like damn they're getting paid for this but that's awesome paid. this is <laughs> when this shit plays they get paid for this <laughs> Yeah, you know, I found out about them right after they had played California, and I was like, "Damn it, I hate when this happens." And oh, dude, dude, they're so fun. They're so fucking fun. Yeah. So every every time they they play around here, like they, I think I've only seen them a couple times in the past few years, and that, and then from because I went for a really long time without seeing them because they either where they would play while we were on tour or their shows would literally just sell out, and there wouldn't be any way for you to get in because the only way I could have gotten in is to just show up and hope that like someone would sneak me in and I don't like putting people in a position like that. So I would just kind of sit out a few, like I set out one of their record releases because I just couldn't get a hold of anybody to kind of guarantee that like I'd be able to get in and I didn't want to get there and like put anybody out, like trying to make, you know, I'm not fucking, I'm not like some fucking big shot or something like I'm not trying to get like some weird special treatment like I would have I wanted to pay for the show anyway yeah for sure fucking sold out and also I like realized like damn like there's going to be things that I just am going to have to buy tickets online like for the longest time I just refused to do that I was like I'll get my tickets at the door because I don't like dealing with fucking like I didn't have a credit card for a long time I didn't have a fucking debit card for a long fucking time I was cash only so I was like 26 27 oh wow okay yeah i want to say i mean maybe even later i might have been i might have been 28 when i moved to having a debit card but uh yeah dude i I, unreal that i was not robbed more as a child because i was constantly walking around with like 400 dollars in my in my wallet from my paycheck oh so like not even like a bank account yeah no 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 not even a bank account for years that's insane. I just had a sock drawer with like, with like stacks of cash, and I had a straight job. I had uh-huh. a straight job, and I just had I just kept my money in a fucking sock drawer. That's wild. And was there any particular reason why you're um, you just didn't have a bank account? Just fucking lazy, man. Just didn't feel like like I also didn't have a card till I was like twenty five either. So like, okay. I like you know it, in order to have a bank, I would then have a have a bank that like I could go to with ease. And the fucked up thing is my mom's like worked at a credit union my whole life. And when I was like 18, 19 or so, I did have a bank account. But once I stopped going to college and my college was right across the street from a branch of that bank, I was just like, I'm just going to pull all my money out and just keep it in cash. Interesting. 
I, I, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't move. They, they had to stop doing like paper checks for my, for my work for me to decide to move to direct deposit. Okay. And that was when I got a bank account. Interesting. Yeah. I was forced to get a bank account. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you need to get a hold of that money that you work hard for. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You, you know, I, I was, uh, the past, I think like two years, um, I had, uh, I, 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 I got rid of like my, um, original bank account and then i went strictly to like this internet bank which uh i was like oh i I wanted to feel like progressive and you know wave the future let me uh uh, open up this internet bank account and it it was okay but there was like some limitations and then sometimes like the system would go down so you weren't able to like access your money like like one time fuck that dude 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 one time the system went down and and luckily (laughs) um i had cash on me so i was fine but the system went down for like a whole week dude and like i wasn't able to see my money or even know if it was still there for a whole week um but but just recently i was like you know what i I think like it's been a good run but i I think i'm gonna go back to just having like a normal bank so i could just do like normal transactions so i had to like uh you know uh, open up a new bank account and uh, move all my money and even though that's even though internet bank i'm sure had the same protections as like a like a normal bank would like any of this like digital currency shit like fucking sketches me out so bad Oh, really? Like all the like all the Bitcoin stuff fucking mm-hmm. catches me out so bad. I get so scared for my friends that are involved in it and doing it because, well, also like I don't know. I really really frustrated with the new obsession with stocks since the whole fucking GameStop thing. Yeah. Like I really really like I don't I don't like it's like I I don't care that my like some of my friends got involved in that shit and did it, but like I I like the the longer I'm alive the more like the the happier I am with my decision to not go to college or to drop out of college and not like continue my education through like a system that would have was definitely going to like indoctrinate me mm-hmm. because like, like I've, I've listened to like a bunch of podcasts recently and like learned about like kind of like, and it sucks because like I love my dad and I don't believe my dad's a sucker, but my dad totally got fucking suckered into the stock market and thinking that that was like, a way to invest uh-huh. as like a middle class, like as like a middle class person. And like, that was all a fucking trick. <laughs> like convincing the middle class to invest in the stock market was like a way to like move people away from trying to like, like organize as like workers. Like, like it was a way to like, like get people's dependency off of like their pensions and like put like rather than like, cause also like, I don't know. I'm like very, very like anti like money for like not really actually producing anything or not like doing anything mm-hmm. like people who just like speculate on like financial things or speculate on like real estate things like that shit, like really fucking bothers me that you can just like, make tons of money off of just like buying things and selling them like at a different rate. It really fucking sketches me out because the only people making those decisions are like people who are in positions of power that like I will never see or reach, which means that they cannot be held accountable (laughs) obviously because the housing fucking crash and shit, nobody was held accountable for that. Nobody's going to be held accountable when if for some reason Bitcoin just fucking goes some crazy way 
and a bunch of people who have money invested in it, it all of a sudden is just gone. The only people who will be bailed out of that are the people who have millions and billions of dollars, which means that all of my friends who have little five grand here, 20 grand here invested in these things, they're just going to lose all that money because that's what happened when the financial crash happened. All the people who were in the middle class who had their money invested, they just lost that money. They could have just had that money. They could have just had that money. Yeah. And instead they lost all that money. It just disappeared. They were convinced that this was the way that they could make money in order to have a better life. And it's like, no, I think we should just have like free healthcare. Have you ever seen, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. And just literally just not be scared that like, if we don't have enough money, we're going to die. I was going to ask, have you ever seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yes, it's disgusting, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I had somebody try to sell like during like the whole GameStop craze. Like this uh, coworker of mine was like, "Dude, he's like, you got to invest. Like, I know what stocks to buy." And I was like, "Dude, I was like, have you seen Wolf of Wall Street?" I was like, no, you, you don't. <laughs> "I was just like, dude, I was like, I'm not gonna fucking listen to you. I was like, I'm gonna, I, I like my money, and I, I'm good." Yeah, like, dude, and and I'm all for like, I'm all for you know fucking over rich people and like everything that that did, but I'm not for my friends losing their fucking livelihoods. Yeah. And I'm not for, I'm not for fucking really anybody losing their fucking livelihood, but legitimately like it's, it's like the way the system's stacked right now, it's all stacked against us. The only fucking way that any, like, dude, I, the thing that like really disappointed me the most about last year was watching all of the protest movement just fall apart. Like we, we watched it in real time Mm -hmm. over the course of all those weeks, because when the protest started, we were down there every day for like three or four weeks. Like I was working six days a week and then spending four, five, six hours every night out at the protests, marching, sitting, doing, you know, listening to people talk, doing whatever was going on. And then slowly but surely, like people were like, Oh, I'm going to take a day off. Like, I'm not going to go down. Like I'm kind of tired. And like, I haven't been like, like, like the, the thing that fucked me up the most was that like, I wasn't eating when that was going on. Like I would, because everything was closing, mm-hmm. like every, like Louisville, everything was closing at a certain time. So like, essentially if you went to the protests, you were choosing to like, I mean, unless we were going to fix food at, you know, 12 o'clock at night when we got home and then I would have to be up at, you know, six o'clock in the morning to go to work the next day. Like I was opting to not eat and instead go and like protest. Yeah. You're so right. like, but every, every day I would be like driving to work and, you know, listening to the news and everything going on and like hearing how things were being fucking like twisted in the media, hearing how things were being fucking like see, seeing on the ground, like watching like, the different divisions hearing like, Oh, don't trust this protest group. Like they're, they're da da da. Like, like realizing how many of the marches had been like kind of directed in like areas that like nobody gave a fuck that they were going on. Like that the marches didn't ever, like anytime they ever stepped out of, out of a certain boundary, everybody got like wrapped up in fucking like, you know, pepper sprayed or fucking pepper balled and shit and realizing like, well, fuck, like, we're not really like 
we're not really doing anything and more and more people are like deciding to drop out every day. Like, and also people are being told like not to trust certain people involved in the, the protests and how much of that is like planted information. And like everybody started like questioning everything. And I'm like, fucking like, holy shit. And then all of a sudden, like we were going like once a week and sitting in the park and like every now and then like 30 people would go out and march. And it was like, holy shit. Like what the fuck happened? Like, like I know what happened was that we stopped going every day, but it seemed like everybody else did at the same time. And, but I remember hoping every single morning when I was driving to work that I was going to get to fucking work. And that was going to be the day that we just went on a general fucking strike and hoping that that was going to be the day that our union decided to step into what was going on. And everybody was just going to not work anymore. Because that was really the only thing, any, the only way any of this shit was going to change is if it actually hit the pockets of the people who fucking were like in charge of this. And I was hoping for a fucking general strike. I was fucking hope. I was hoping that I wouldn't make any more money. Like that was what I was hoping for. I was hoping that I would be told that I'm not working today and that I'm not going to make money until this is over. And I was totally willing to do that. And I was totally down for that. Like I was, I would fucking daydream about just being told to fucking go home and stand outside and fucking pick it and tell people to fucking stop buying things, stop spending money, stop fucking going to work, stop doing everything that you have to do to survive. Because that's the only way anything is going to change is if we can legitimately kill the economy. Because that's all that anybody cares about. And that's all that anybody cared about the whole time fucking COVID was going on. Mm-hmm. Was you're killing the economy. And it's like, no, we weren't. Because if we were actually killing the economy, you guys would have done something about it. Well, like, if we were, if actually, if actually killing the, all we were doing was hurting the small businesses that they don't give a fuck about. Yeah, because they were still lining the pockets of these, like, multi-billion yeah. dollar corporations. Dude. I get in arguments with people at work. I get in arguments with my fucking fellow fucking union fucking workers, people who are some of them fucking Trump voters who don't understand that a $15 minimum wage would only benefit them because they aren't fucking cocked into thinking, oh, but what about small businesses? Motherfucker, you don't own a small business. You're a person trying to provide for your fucking family. If everybody here was forced, if they were forced to pay everybody who walked in the store $15 an hour, it would be harder for them to mistreat the ones of us who've been here for fucking years. They would either have to pay us more or treat us better. And that's what I keep saying. That's what I keep saying. I keep saying everybody better fucking pray if they fucking believe in that shit, fucking cross their fingers, fucking don't step on cracks and hope that Amazon's able to fucking unionize. Because if Amazon's able to unionize, that changes the fucking game. And I was telling them all the time, like, dude, if we can get Medicare for all, it changes the fucking game. If our union doesn't have to fight for our health care, our union can fight for our fucking work. Like, dude, I should not have to work seven fucking days a week right now. Yeah, they should be able to properly staff and give you some proper time off. Yeah, like they should have been able to figure this shit out. I shouldn't have been forced to change my schedule to working nights. And if even if I was willing to do these things during this renovation and whatnot, they should have kept to their word and their timetable of how long I was going to have to do this. The fact that this is going to almost matter, not at all for the way I'm treated at my job, uh-huh. that they will still find it completely reasonable 
to come in and treat me like fucking shit. Like, dude, like I, I had this fucking argument with one of with the guy who runs dairy at my store where he was like, man, when I had a, car, a comic book shop years ago and like a like a baseball card store, I could have never avoid, afforded to pay $15 an hour. And I'm like, well, first of all, motherfucker, I'm not going to say his fucking name. Um, first of all, motherfucker, like if you if you it was the goddamn 90s then, mm-hmm. which was the last time we had any minimum wage like reform period. It was the nineties when you had this shit so that you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been $15 an hour then it should have been, but it wouldn't have been. And also if the government can afford to bail out fucking oil companies, it could afford to fucking bail out your goddamn comic book shop. Yeah. Cause that's fucking small change. That's fucking nothing. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. It's just like, just people just so fucking tricked into protecting the rich that they're never going to be. Well, it's like you gotta think that's how the system is structured since you know we've been alive. So people, yeah, it's it's hard for people to really kind of grasp that. It's like yeah, like we've been fucked kind of since day one, dude. And like my big thing, like the the thing that sucks the most that like I like I watched my girlfriend go through this with her parents or whatever about like you know Trump and fucking Biden and all this shit and like like like. Her, her mom texted her when Biden got elected and was like, I hope you're happy. And she was like, no, I'm not happy. This isn't what I wanted either. Like, I'm never going to be happy. Like, we shouldn't be happy. Like, the difference between fucking these, these psychos who fucking, like, stormed the Capitol is that they were happy with their president. Yeah. I'm not happy with ours. I wasn't happy when it was Trump. I'm not happy with, with it being Biden. I wasn't happy when it was Obama. The point of us as the citizens of this world is to, in this country, is to expect more. We're never supposed to be satisfied. We're always supposed to expect more. Like the second you're complacent is the second you've fucking, you've fucking bent the knee. Yeah, especially when, I don't know. Uh, and it's especially when they you know have they, they run these campaigns they make all these like promises of change hope and change and all that and then they finally get in the position to make those changes and nothing happens and i'm just kind of we're all just left scratching our heads like what is really going on like yeah like i mean bill bill clinton fucking sucked but bill clinton came in with all these fucking economic things he wanted to do and they literally told him you can't do that and he said okay <laughs> yeah <there's... laughs> like he wanted to make he wanted to do you know like welfare reform and all these different and all these different and like the minimum wage, like Bill Clinton was wanting to, to work for like a better wage. And they literally told him his economic advisor said, you can't do that. And he said, okay. And that's the same thing that happened with Obama. And it's like, dude, like I keep, I keep listening to podcasts that talk about the, uh, like, um, like the union organizers, like going to FDR and FDR being like, okay, make me do it. And then them going out and having the fucking power, but there's just no fucking organized labor in this country anymore. Like somehow Republicans have turned into people who like, like entire states that used to rely on union labor, like fucking West Virginia and like these fucking, like these, these big fucking strong unions have all turned to this, you know, party of fucking minimal government that is like they've already got minimal government they're fucked they're fucking run through with goddamn like heroin and fucking like meth and shit 
and they've got no fucking assistance and they're like this is fine <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know either because I obviously uh, I've been alive for uh, 32 years and I've, I've always hoped to see things get better. But it just seems like we're just kind of like on like this weird uh, roller coaster ride where we, we kind of get promised all these things. But it just like, they, they just never really deliver. And it, it just seems like we're just kind of um, in like this uh, downward spiral where things just are you know going to just get worse and worse. Yeah, dude. Have you watched that uh, that new docu series on HBO, the Exterminate All the Brutes thing? No, I, I've never heard of it. Dude, it's 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 like essentially it's the 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 real the real history of like what like what Western civilization has done to like indigenous people and whatnot. And dude, I was fucking this week years old when I learned the whole reason the the French sold us the Louisiana Purchase for the price they did. I've never learned that. I never learned why we got that for so cheap. Do you know why we got that for so cheap? No, I, I don't. Because I never knew about the Haitian Revolution and how Haiti revolutionized, kicked the fucking French out of Haiti, took it, a black state, the first free black state in the world, kicked the French out. Napoleon took 65,000 troops to Haiti to take it back for France, uh-huh. lost his ass, and France needed money. Damn! So they're just like trying the to cash documentary out. was like, we don't, we don't, we don't thank Haiti enough. Like, and, and, and how did we thank Haiti? But we went in, fucked up their government, took their resources, and we've been there for years, essentially occupying Haiti, making it shittier. Like, I don't know. It's just so crazy to me. Like, I don't know. I like, I'm like, I I feel like I sound like a fucking psycho whenever I'm like always talking to people about this shit. But like the fact that like I'm learning things at 30 years old that like I didn't learn in 12 years of fucking school, like about like the way things actually are. And I'm talking to full grown fucking adults who don't know these things, like people who think the same ways I think, but aren't informed enough to know these things and i'm like fuck like i'm just like constantly just telling people like you know yo watch this read this you know listen to this like these are things like we all should know that we're just purposely not told because we they need us they need us to just go to work well i don't think you sound crazy i i, I think you, you sound passionate about what you believe in and who knows maybe you, oh no 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 sometimes sometimes i sound crazy i have a real i have a real crazy idea for the national debt and I said it to Ashton the other day, and she was like, "We have an Alexa. You can't be saying things like that." <laughs> it's like you're you're already on a list, <laughs> Tyler. They, they got oh, you yeah. on a list. No, I'm absolutely I'm absolutely on a list. The reason nothing's happened is because they know I'm not a threat. None of this matters. I can't make any difference. That's the thing. That's the thing I always say when my friends are like, "Dude, like, like everybody was always freaking out. Like, phones off. Like, you know, put your phones on airplane mode during the protests and stuff." And I'm like, "Motherfuckers, if we actually mattered." They'd be here right now. True. You, you, if we actually mattered, they'd be here right now. The reason the reason we don't matter is because I'm still going to work every day. <laughs> like I'm still just doing the thing I'm supposed to do. Like n- n- none of none of what we can what we're talking about is really making any difference. Because if it was, we'd be scooped up. And they'd make us disappear. <laughs> or yeah, it, like they they've been doing it. Like they've been. 
They've been, they killed all those fucking Ferguson people. They fucking disappeared so many motherfuckers. A bunch of the organizers of the, the, the protests here have lost their lives in the past year. Like motherfuckers just getting shot on their front lawns or getting carjacked and killed. And it's like, oh my God, there's a crazy thing that happened the other day that the news didn't cover here where a SUV got hit with 140 shots in five minutes in a Kroger parking lot. What? These, these fucking, these cars just circled this, this vehicle and just unloaded into it. And only one news organization like covered it and the police didn't say anything about it. Who was in the car that got shot up? Nobody knows. Damn. Only one, only one news source covered it and they only covered it once. It was never brought back up. Yeah. Cause they probably got a phone call like, yo, leave it alone. Yeah. Like that was like, like that was sanctioned or something. Uh-huh. Like if it was, if it was like gang related, it was a sanctioned gang hit. Like the, it was okay for that to happen. Yeah. Like it's just fucking crazy, dude. It's so like, like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those crazy things where like you just, you hear things and you're like, Oh man, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. And it's like, is it? <laughs> No, I'm like, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, the guy who owned an, uh, the, he had an island um, and uh, Hillary Clinton got him killed. What was his name? Oh, Epstein. Uh, Epstein, yeah, Epstein. Yeah, Je- Jeffrey Epstein. Dude, they got, piece of shit. they got that guy and everybody is kind of on the same page that they know. People are just like, yeah, he didn't kill himself. Uh, he got murdered, but um, everybody's just kind of okay yeah. with it. And you're just kind of like, wait, wait. And also, he was, doing that, he was doing that shit for years and everyone knew. Yeah. Like I, I listened to like a bunch of podcasts like talking about that. There's like this this podcast that started during the Epstein thing called Truanon mm-hmm. that uh that like it's uh, like a couple people from San Francisco do it, and it's kind of just kind of turned into like a radical lefty podcast now. But for the first like, if you go back and just listen to the beginning, they like really deeply cover all of the uh, the Epstein stuff. And dude, like the crazy connections that Epstein had are wild. Like, um, like essentially like all of like the jobs that he ever had, he has not, he was not qualified for. He was essentially just like procuring like teenagers for the elite. And that was his job. Like he had no expertise. He had no business. At one point he was like a, a, a teacher at a school and he had no like degree to even teach the things that he was in charge like that motherfucker was teaching children yeah he was just scouting like that was one of his first jobs yeah he was just fucking scouting like it's fucking crazy and like the one of the first people to like give him his like shot and his like break was uh bill barr's dad the fucking former like goddamn attorney general of like trump's trump's ag guy was was his his father was the guy who like gave epstein his fucking his fucking like start in life. And it's like, like yet Republicans looked at Epstein, like he's this fucking, like, like he's just an indication of the guilt of Hillary and bill. And it's like, yeah, he is, but also Trump and everybody in that circle. Yeah. Like the only, the only thing, the only thing that I think with, when it comes to Trump and Epstein is I think Trump was just the idiot of the group. Like, I don't deny or like or think that Trump didn't do all the bad things that he's done to women Uh or that he, you know, probably fucked kids, too, or anything like that. But I don't think Trump was like. He's not smart. He wasn't some mastermind. Like nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere in any of this was Trump like Trump, like, you know, like facilitating any of this. He was just going to the party. He wasn't planning the party. 
he's never planned anything. Like the dude is a fucking idiot. Yeah. But yeah. So it's so like yeah. So if if we yeah, were we're, if we were re- really making waves, we'd get the Epstein treatment. Yeah, we'd absolutely get an Epstein. Yeah, we get the Epstein treatment. We'd fucking we'd have our goddamn whatever that fucking bone is that the hyoid bone. We'd have that shit broken. And they'd be like, yeah, this this doesn't really happen during suicides, but it happened in this one somehow. Like whatever. I don't know. Damn, we really went off on one today, though. <laughs> True. Um, but. Uh, wait, are, are you still good on time, or do you have to go soon? Oh yeah, I'm good on time. I don't, I don't I, like. I need to fix food before I go to work at uh, at six thirty, but it's only four right now. Okay. Um, before we get off this topic, um, are, are, do you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast at all? Okay, so when I was when my knee was hurt, so Joe Rogan, I have like a complicated feeling with Joe Rogan. Okay. I don't, I don't like the platform he gives right wingers. I do appreciate every now and then he takes him to task on something, mm-hmm. but I don't like the platform that he's given some, some right wingers. And I also like, I don't like how, uh, I don't like, and, and I, I don't, I, I feel like the, like, I feel like Joe Rogan is a little bit part of like the perpetuation of like being able to like, re- nobody should feel like Elon Musk is relatable. And whenever I listened to his his interview with Elon Musk, uh-huh. I felt like Elon Musk was kind of relatable. And I don't like that. I don't like that. I feel like Joe Rogan somehow like facilitates a little bit of our comfort with the elites. But at the same time, I loved listening to him anytime he's interviewed Kevin Smith. Okay. And I love any of his talks with, with Henry Rollins. Great. Um, and I do well, also like, I mean, I like the way I like your podcast and I see the way you kind of do your podcast similarly to the way he does. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of long form, like let the conversation go where it goes. Like I like, I like Joe Rogan's influence on the way podcasting is done. Yeah, no, I, I think he, I, I think he changed the game for sure. Uh, the, the fact that you, you can notice or you notice that I, you know, um, follow it like, you know, the, the, the way that Joe Rogan does is because big inspiration, like Joe Rogan, Ariel Hawani's MMA show and the fighter and the kid. Those are like the, the three podcasts that I would say they kind of uh, gave me like my like kind of guidelines on like how I should do things. But yeah, no, I, I do. I, I that's, that's, so I, I do, I've picked and choose. Like I watched, uh, like when I when my knee was hurt, I watched a bunch of Joe Rogan. I watched him anytime he was talking to somebody that I knew I already liked. I would watch it. Like um, he interviewed this country guy from Kentucky, Chris Stapleton, and I watched his interview with him, and I really liked that. And uh, when he talked to Gary Clark Jr., I watched his uh, his talk with Gary Clark Jr. because I really like Gary Clark Jr. Um, so like any anytime he he had like a musician on a river, but I also I really liked watching it. Uh-huh. And I've never really listened to it because also, dude, I mean, I'll be honest, like the last time we talked, like the the way my iPod touch worked at the time, because, you know, flip phone guy, um, I couldn't really listen to podcasts on my iPod. But uh, since like COVID, like w- like pretty like close to when COVID started, I got a new iPod and I can listen to podcasts on Spotify okay. on this iPod. So like, I mean, I started listening to like, like I've listened to a bunch of episodes of your podcast. Like I listened to that, uh, your conversation with Daniel, um, oh, thank the you. other day. And, uh, dude, he, he, I miss him so much, man. I used to see him all the time when he lived in Columbus. Whenever, uh, whenever I, 
I talked about, uh, I also re-listened to, uh, I tried to re-listen or I skimmed through my episode with you so I could make sure I didn't bring up any of the same shit again because I couldn't remember what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, whenever I talked about uh, us filling in somebody for that Inclination Edge Day show, that was Daniel. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I had no Daniel idea. Play guitar. <laughs> Daniel who played guitar for uh, for that. Yeah, no, uh, I love the answer, too. The answer is also my favorite uh, Floor Punch song because it's about uh, um, Mark Porter knocking out the dude from By the Grace of God, who... Uh, I think it's I think it's just so sick. Like I, it, there's like a huge like distaste, and at least when I started going to hardcore shows, like everybody in Louisville hated Floor Punch because uh, Mark Porter mm-hmm. slugged uh, Duncan Barlow, um, and I just thought that shit was awesome. <laughs> I thought it was awesome that he was able to talk shit and get fucking hit for it because I think that's what's cool about hardcore is that you're actually touchable. Yeah, and I think it's sick that Floor Punch had to fight a bunch of people because they beat up Duncan. I like that there was repercussions on floor punch because of that. I like that people tried to boycott them and do all kinds of things. And what do you see now is like, I still love by the grace of God, but I get to see floor punch Yeah, <laughs> like every sure. now and then. And, and they're a little bit more like, I feel like they survived that, that embattlement a little bit more than by the grace of God where he, they, I, lack of a better term, they could have, he could have rolled with the punches a little bit more and let that, uh, let that go and maybe it wouldn't have tarnished uh, you know a weird left a bad taste in people's mouths about how they handled the situation but yeah i i fucking i love the answer when i saw that, that his new band was called the answer i was like yes that makes me so happy i want to get a shirt so bad because i've always i've always done the funny thing where whenever i see floor punch i wear a by the grace of god shirt uh-huh. and uh whenever uh um one of the times that uh, by the, when By the Grace of God played uh, Crazy Fest, I wore my floor punch shirt. <laughs> yes. That's history. <laughs> you can't let people forget. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's part of the fucking story, man. It's good. Um, but yeah, but yeah, since then, I've like I've listened to a bunch of like I've, I've started listening to podcasts, but I never got around to actually listening to Joe Rogan. I just used to watch the YouTube uh, whenever I, my knee was hurt, whenever I was doing my PT shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the reason why I ask is because um, uh, uh, he had this guy on recently, uh, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, he's like a, uh, I guess it's fair oh, to say. Oh, fuck that guy. Have you watched the Avenger commercials? Uh, or the Avenger ad things? No, I haven't. Dude, look up Dan Crenshaw, like Avengers, like or like Dan Crenshaw, like, um, political ad thing mm-hmm. he legitimately like they make this he makes this like big budget political ad where he like skydives and shit and they make it like these right-wing fucking fuckheads are like the avengers and they're here to like save us from antifa it's very funny okay i'm, I'm looking it's at the thumb <laughs> looking at the thumbnail it looks terrible <laughs> Dude, it's so bad. Straight up, when you when you get off here, fucking watch that shit. It will fucking kill you. Okay. It's so fucking stupid. And they spent money on this. This this is this is and this is why if you donate to a fucking if you donate to any politician that isn't that is taking money from big big corporations, you're a fucking idiot. The only politicians I would fucking donate to are like fucking like Nina Turner's. Seems like a fucking bad bitch really like her uh-huh. um and you know fucking like bernie sanders is you know the goddamn king but like this is what p- 
people, th- these fucking right wing motherfuckers who are donating their goddamn money to. That's what it's going to. It's Dan Crenshaw making fucking Avengers fucking previews. That's, uh, you, you mentioned Bernie but Sanders. Yeah, what, what, what did? What did oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, no, what, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, so um, uh, to cap the Dan Crenshaw I mentioned, um, he, uh, um, there's a, a, it's a long podcast, but uh, obviously it's Joe Rogan, but he, uh, there's a segment where they're uh, kind of going um, back and forth about, um, uh, Medicare and if it should be you know free for everybody and I'm I'm just uh, you know just curious uh, uh, if, if you haven't heard the episode but I, I was just uh, you know gonna kind of point you there just to kind of hear his take and it, it, it it's crazy Dan Crenshaw's take yeah because he, 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 he tries oh I believe it he's a fucking psycho yeah but um yeah so if you have like, time and uh, you want to hear uh, his take on Medicare for you, you know, know i want to say i want to say when i've been scrolling through uh youtube recently it's mm-hmm. like tried to get, show me a snippet of dan crenshaw on on joe rogan and i i because I, I always get like i fucking watch all kinds of crazy like left-wing shit so like i get like youtube algorithms towards a bunch of uh um like like oh god what's that what's that real piece of shit the one who talks all fast um he's the republican guy God, he's got the fucking really thick eyebrows. I can't fucking think no, of his name right not, now. But not Ben Shapiro. Not Ben Shapiro. No. Yes, Ben Shapiro. Okay. Yes. Uh, like, like Ben Shapiro. Like, I, I, I keep getting like this, like, like uh, Joe Rogan owns Ben Shapiro on like systematic racism or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I keep like thinking about it, but I'm like, oh my god, if I fucking watch this, I'm just gonna want to punch Ben Shapiro in his stupid face the whole time, and it's gonna be very hard for me to. Uh, to get through this and actually like pay attention to the substance. Cause every time I hear that guy talk, I just want to punch him in the mouth. Yeah. And then um, your, you, then that your feed. Guy, uh, that guy that, um, that, uh, the last song on the constraint, uh, demo is about the, the kids are alt right or whatever is about some shit that I heard that guy say, um, where he essentially like advocated for like black people should go back to Africa. And it's like, Oh really? They should leave the country that we brought them to that they're living in to go back to the countries that we've robbed and depleted. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. That's funny that you want them to leave this country and go back to a country that we destroyed. That's yeah. cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. Fucking psychos, dude. And these guys are smart too, is the thing. Yeah, no, they are smarter like, than me. These guys are smart. They, they know, they know, they know. And that's my thing. Like, like more than anything, like not only do I want to like, like I've been like listening to like lots of like podcasts about like anti-capitalism and like Marxist theory and shit. But at the same time, like I watch PragerU videos like pretty regularly because I want to know what the enemy's saying. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, have you ever seen any of those things? No, I, I haven't. Dude, look up PragerU, uh-huh. and like they they do they make the most. It's uh, Ashton, my girlfriend Ashton. She uh, she like recognized it as something uh that like she was like exposed to when she was younger called like brain pop okay. i never had heard of it or whatever but it's like little videos that like teach you things and they're like got like, like cute animations and stuff but prager you is like right-wing indo- indoctrination it's like made in a way to like basically they, oh they made a pro-slavery video but they took it down because they realized after making it and people pointing it out that they had like said the quiet thing too loud uh-huh. and uh and they ended up having to take it down but they made like a, they make like videos like 
like against Antifa and all these different things. And like, like they, they <laughs> we, we ended up like looking it up, like looking at the Amazon reviews for it. Cause some dude like was on, like made a PragerU video. Like I used to be Antifa. And then like, we watched the video of him like talking about how, like how toxic Antifa was and how he had to get out and all this stuff. And then he wrote this book about like escaping Antifa. So we looked at the Amazon reviews and like a few of them were like, this book was great. And then so many people were like, this guy is such a fucking idiot. He's so full of shit. Like, and like, so like more, more reviews than like, there were more negative reviews than good reviews. Mm-hmm. And they were mostly just about how like this, this book fucking sucks. <laughs> like it's written in a very poor way and all this shit. It's very funny. Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm on their YouTube page and I'm seeing a lot of Candace Owens who I'm not a fan of. I'm just like, Ugh. Oh, she sucks, dude. I mean, well, she's, she's a paid person. Like, like they legitimately like paid her to like have the political beliefs that she has. Like um, one one of the guys that uh, I like listen to or I like watch his his uh, his YouTube stuff every now and then. This guy David Pakman, he uh, he came out recently and like told the story about how when he was younger and getting started out doing like leftist media stuff, um, someone offered him money to just transition to being a conservative. It's dark. And like, that's like, yeah, it's so dark. Well, that's where the money is, is the thing. Like you, like Ben Shapiro and like, like, uh, Alex Jones, like, like Alex Jones is like a perfect example. Like that dude is con artist. Dude, he saved those kids like, the other day though. He, what? He, he saved those kids, uh, like earlier. Was it this week or last week? I'm, I'm not sure if you saw that video. I didn't see. I didn't see this. What did he do? Uh, so uh, he was. Uh, I, th- I think they were in uh, Austin or Houston, and they were outside some church. And uh, it's like th- these families get like funneled in, and then they go to the church, and then they were like going to ship these kids off, you know, to spread them out. Because I, I guess they go to this like um, center, and then they get to like get like some money, and then they get to choose where they get dropped off um, in the United States. And, and this is me. Um, trying to remember the video is like a short video, but, um, uh, Alex Jones and his crew were waiting outside the church. And then this guy was just loading these kids like I'm um, in this car and like, you no, know, no seat belts. They're just like stuffing them in like the back and he gets in front of the car and like, won't let the guy take off. And they're like yelling at the guy. They're like, what organization are you working for? Like, where are you taking these kids? Like, uh, and like, it turns into like this big ordeal and the cops come and the cops pull the kids out of the car. And then the, the video just kind of ends. The, the, they don't really give you like, um, like a real resolution in that video. And I didn't go looking for it. I, I just saw like that he was trending on Twitter. Like, Oh, Alex Jones, saves kids and I was like oh this is interesting like I, I gotta kind of go That's see what wild. he's doing yeah well have you seen the video where he talks about like like it was he was interviewed for something and it's like like kind of him like talking a little bit like between the interview or whatever about how like he feels responsible for Trump and how he regrets ever like like pushing Trump and how he sees like how like this has really caused like a huge like a huge negative impact and like essentially like i mean he was just trying to get paid no i've, I've never seen that interview because like, i'm not like the like, like he was he was oh go ahead oh no it's just wild it's just wild because he, he like he like he's like talking like a pretty normal voice also i've heard like I, I i watched like or i think i might have heard on npr they were like interviewing some guy who like like kind of like knew alex jones when he was like a young kid like when he was in high school and like a lot of stories that Alex Jones tells now, like he was like giving like real context to like what actually happened back then and how like, I mean, Alex Jones is just like a, like a privileged rich kid mm-hmm. and like, like kind of like, I don't know. It's just like a, a, a real, a real, a real solid pussy back in the day. 
um and like how he like would tell all these stories and like just like exaggerate and blow them out like we're like he fought the whole football team or something it was like a story he used to tell and the guy was like actually this is what happened and then like he kind of like he like sued somebody at some point when he was a kid because of like they like fucked him up or something and he said like a bunch of people jumped him but like really just like one guy punched him once and like he like sued and like all this stuff and you realize you're like oh he was just like really got embarrassed as a kid like he really like did the like he is a cop collar he's just, like a little cop collar oh the worst and like and like yeah just like kind of like a little twerpy dude and then you know so it makes it makes like when you look at it like from like the psych- psychological point uh viewpoint or whatever and you see like how he is now you're like oh yeah he got fucked up as a kid like he was really really mentally and i think that's how he's able to like turn on and off the character Uh that he's playing where he's you know this fucking complete psycho i mean he got sued for like you know whatever uh defamation or some shit and essentially was just like was like no it's a character i'm playing yeah, because he got in, like, uh, in legally. because yeah, he got in trouble for uh, the Sandy Hook stuff. He was saying that it was a hoax. Yes, yeah, that was yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was like, "No, this is just a character," and it's like, God, like I don't know. It's just wild. Like they like it's wild how often like conservatives give the game up and then people just keep coming back to them. Yeah, they're just like willing to. They kind of just like turn a blind eye to you know like them kind of admitting. It's it's I don't know it's, it's it's a weird world. I'm not like like the, the um like I'm not like well versed in like the whole like politics world. I I, I just kind of like peek in and try to uh, gather knowledge here and there so I can you know try to understand what's going on. But I still feel lost sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, dude, I'm I'm not involved either except for like listening to podcasts. Like I, I say, I'm not involved, and I like listen to podcasts about this shit every day because mm-hmm. I'm not involved and I still don't know anything. <laughs> Like, not only do I, like, constantly try to, like, learn about this shit, I admittedly still don't know enough, mm-hmm, Yeah. like, about anything. I just know what I don't like. <laughs> For sure. And have you ever seen House of Cards on Netflix? You see, so I fucking loved House of Cards. Okay. And I was so, like, I was so bummed out when the whole shit went down with fucking Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Because also, like, I loved Kevin Spacey's movies. Mm-hmm. Like I loved Usual Suspects. Like he's in one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, uh, mostly because Dennis Leary's in it too. And I've been like a huge Dennis Leary fan since I was a little fucking kid. I just dudes who say fuck and smoke seemed cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really really liked House of Cards. But dude, I mean House of Cards really like you watch that shit and you're like, yeah, even the fucking even the the fucking the Dems are fucking bad, and even the fucking you know, liberals are fucking pieces of shit. Yeah, I, I watched like, that. They're all pieces of shit, dude. I watched that show and I'm like, okay, if if any of this is like real, <laughs> like we're so fucked. Oh yeah, no, I mean, dude, uh, fucking, I can't. I'm blanking on his name right now, but the uh, the 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 Democratic Speaker of the House, I want to say, he was either Speaker of the House or the Senate Majority Leader, um, back in like the '90s or whatever that dude is like he's dead now but he was heavily implicated in the epstein thing if that dude was still alive that dude would probably have gone down with epstein but i think they've kind of i think i think because the clintons are involved and whatnot it's kind of they've been able to shelter like i mean dude i mean the, the the real shitty thing about everything that is going on is that like realistically like both parties should burn to the fucking ground and mm-hmm. most politicians should be machine gunned in the street <laughs> and we should just start it. 
Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's such a weird system, and obviously, and obviously, it's corrupt. It's no secret that this whole thing is corrupt. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it, like obviously we, we all want change, but for it to happen, we're gonna need something crazy to to go down. Because if not, it's just like we're just kind of in this cycle, and the system's just gonna kind of keep on chugging along, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's what's gonna happen. I my big thought is that a lot of these jobs after COVID aren't coming back. And, um, and like lots of things that people like think are like awesome about COVID, like, you know, nothing's awesome. About yeah. I was gonna say, wait, what's awesome? <laughs> million, half a million people. Well, working from home. Okay. Lots of people are stoked on working from home and they should be fucking very wary of working from fucking home. Cause the second you detach your labor from like an actual place where you do it with other people, you are depowering your voice. Because you don't get to, you don't get to, you don't, there's no water cooler. There's no, there's no complaining about your treatment. There's only you solitude, alienated, doing your job. And especially if you do is like the coding thing, like the big push to like have all these people learn how to code, Mm -hmm. like is going to push a ton of people into there. I learned how to code because I can do it from home and I can do it anywhere I go and blah, blah, blah. But now you're going to be hooked up to your like have you heard any of these things about like the any of the stories from like these Amazon drivers who are like contractors who they essentially like they they sign up on this app and they have to just refresh the app over and over again and wait for like a thing that they can do to pop up and then they click it and they go do it yeah there's and a- then they have to be back by a certain there's a distribution by a certain time. Yeah. There's a distribution center, uh, not too far from where I live. And I like, I, I, I always see those Amazon trucks and I, I know that, yeah, it's, it's like, um, it's all like app based and, um, yeah. And- well, like th- th- it puts that, that, th- that means instead of you getting paid for like a certain number of hours, you're getting paid based on each job you do. Okay. And some of the jobs, like I listened to a story of like a girl who lived in Philadelphia who would have to go deliver to New Jersey and then be back in Philadelphia to then deliver again. And like, if she didn't make it back in time to like do her next thing, she would have to cancel it, which means she'd have to cancel her next money because she's still doing the thing that she's doing right now to get the money she's doing right now, which can't be fucking worth it. Yeah, they have to drive across fucking state lines for some shit like that. But then also like now she's missing out on her next money. And it's like, like that's going to be the coding job. You're going to be sitting there waiting for your next job to write some code for something on an app, waiting, waiting to get assigned something to do for however long that takes. And they're going to log all your keystrokes. They're going to log all your, like what they're going to pay you for exactly how much time you worked. And then boom, they're not paying you for any more time, which means you're not paid for your fucking lunch. You're not paid for your fucking, like, you know, you're not paid to go to the bathroom. You're not paid for any of that. You're paid for exactly how much work you put in and then boom. And that's just like, just depowering fucking labor, man. It's, it's coming. Like it's already happening right now, uh-huh. but that shit is coming nationwide soon. And there's going to be all these people who are going to be out of a job. who are going to be so desperate for work. They're going to be accepting work like that. That is just the literal scraps. How do you feel since like you're getting the? Oh, go uh, ahead. You got. What were you um, How do you, I feel? What you mentioned earlier that you got microchipped. Oh yeah, getting vaccinated. 
Yeah, and I'm I, I'm obviously super chilled out by it. Like it's gonna mind control you, and it's like if anything, it's made me I'm more mad than ever. Yeah. Like, like, oh god, dude, I. Uh, I hear so many people talking about how, like, oh, my God, like, Bill Gates is trying to mind control us and shit. And I'm like, well, Bill Gates wanted me to be pissed off about the same shit I was. Mission accomplished. Um, but Yeah. I, honestly, I'm not sure uh, what the world's going to be like. Because, like, I, I feel like we're, like, right, like, kind of, like, I'm almost over, like, the, the hump. Because you, you got to think about, like, things are, uh, you know, trending in the right direction with all these, um, you know, vaccines rolling out. Uh, things are starting to open up. Uh, I'm sure you've seen shows that are being announced, tours being announced. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I feel like it's just like snowballing, and we're we're gonna get right back to it. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm curious to see what the things are gonna be like, because obviously, um, you know, I've been fortunate, like you, I, I've been able to, uh, you know, keep my job during this whole uh pandemic, and I, I've always felt that I've had like a skewed vision, because uh, you know, I, I've known like a lot of people who've lost their jobs, who had to go take other jobs just to make ends meet and like when they asked me like how like you know how it's been for me i'm like I, I i i'm sorry but like for me it's just nothing really changed like yeah like i i got yeah. i got covid um so i i you know was quarantined for like two weeks uh that that's about it but other than that like i still worked you know the, the monday through friday uh you know just chugging along so i'm like I, I it's always weird for me to talk about like what my experience was like because like you know for me it's just like my day-to-day my day-to-day just n- didn't really change that much do you do you have any guilt from it at all? Uh, I I don't think I, I have guilt because I didn't you know I, I uh, you know it's just the job that I've had for years like before the pandemic even started um, and I just like you know for, and nobody's gonna take care of me um, outside of myself so I, I had no other choice um, you know I I felt for my friends who were in rough spots but I was happy to see them uh, you know figure it out and um, you know stay afloat and luckily um, the people that I'm close with like nobody had like any real horror stories about like you know um, losing their housing or anything they were able to you know make it through so. Um, I, I I don't really feel any, any guilt. You see, cause, so I didn't feel guilt for having a job still. Mm-hmm. I felt guilty because at times I was like jealous of my friends who lost their jobs. And I think that goes to, to like, to a certain degree of like how like kind of like hopeless, like my future feels at times with like just being like a laborer. Like I... I legitimately like, like before, uh, before COVID hit, I was pretty fucking miserable because I'm treated like relative shit at my job. Um, mostly because I'm like in like kind of a position of power in the job. So Mm -hmm. like they, they have something they can take away from me. Like they could take away my being a department head and the pay that I get for that, which is, you know, only like $3 more than I would be getting otherwise. But that $3 means a lot when, you know, overtime's in, involved and also over the course of a fucking year, like it's fucking sickening how much $3 matters to me that, uh, but also like the agency that I have with my job where I make my own schedule and I, you know, I, I have my own guy that I'm in charge of and I keep him happy and I care about him and, and his, uh, you know, like him being okay with, you know, doing the job and, I check in with them all the time. Like, Hey, are you okay with the division of labor still? Like, you don't feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I want you to know that I feel like you're doing, you know, plenty and all these things. And I like constantly do things like that. I do the things that to him that I wish would happen to me. Um, 
I, I like to treat people how I wish I was treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, um, but I mean, that doesn't stop them from kind of like shitting on us and making us feel like, you know, we're not doing enough when at times I'm putting in 55 hours and he's putting in, you know, he only wants to work 32 hours a week, but is willing to work more every now and then. But, uh, I try to keep him to like his 32 because I want him to not quit the fucking job. <laughs> Like I value him being there. So I try to do what I can to facilitate him staying, but I would find myself legitimately like, like when COVID started before, uh, before I was pretty sure that when I was sick in February, I just went through COVID and worked the whole time and didn't miss a day of work for it. Um, even though I felt like shit and my throat felt like a fucking arid fucking desert the whole time. And I was coughing constantly. Um, I went to the doctor and they were only worried about China at the time and I hadn't been to China. So they didn't think I had COVID That's um, crazy. and I wasn't dying or needing a ventilator. So I didn't, it, w- it went no further than the little clinic mm-hmm. at my fucking store. Um, but, uh, I was legitimately like almost hoping at times I would catch it because it would get me out of my job with like no guilt. Like I could just not go to work. My hands would be tied. Like, dude, like last time we talked, like I talked about how I'd like started playing video games. Mm -hmm. You know what I haven't done since we talked? Played video games? I haven't played a single fucking video game since we talked two years ago. Damn. That's a dude. That's how fucking busy I am. That's insane. That's how little free time. That's how little free time I have. You need to get you off that seven days. I mean, dude, it's fucking gross. Like, like I like putting it in a perspective like that is crazy. That's why, like, I like try to find like, like I, I'm really like big on like statistics. If I can like learn a, like a crazy statistic, I like try to memorize it. So like, if I'm ever in a conversation with somebody, I can like actually bring something up and be like, I know this is right because I memorized this. Mm-hmm. And like the statistic that after this is all said and done, I'll have worked a quarter of the year without a day off is a crazy statistic that I can now fucking throw back at my bosses whenever they try to be shitty to me, which they undoubtedly will be shitty to me at some point about, about something. And I will have to throw that at them because they will forget the sacrifices that I made Yeah, cause during they, this time. Cause they don't really care as long as they don't really give a shit, yeah. man. They just want the job done. They just want the job done. They don't care how it's done. I'm like, like, a ton of the stuff that I'm writing for the next constraint record is like very, very centered around like, like labor rights. And like, there are definitely some songs just talking shit about people, but like, uh, or like attitudes people have and things like that. But like, I've been writing a lot about like, you know, the different, the like mistreatment and stuff and how, how it sucks to feel like this, like alienated and this fucking over overworked and left without any fucking, you know, true option to make anything better ever but uh but yeah no i mean uh i'm really ready for things to go back to normal but at the same time like i mean normal sucked too <laughs> yeah like going and like you know obviously uh normal or whatever people want to call it but like when, when things fully open it's not it's not going to be like um you know all like rainbows and you know sparkles and shit like how people were uh, dying just to get 
through 2020 and they're like oh 2021 is going to be it blah 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 but it's like no like we're here in 2021 it's been over a year of the pandemic and it's just like you know things still aren't like you know where we hope they would be um it, it definitely is going to be a process but yeah it's like this pandemic this situation it's going to like obviously have like long-term effects on um, the entire world and it's not just going to go back to how things were it's not just going to be uh, you know, uh, gone and things are just going to be able to, you know, function how they used to. It's it's like we're in a different um, environment now. Yeah. And I mean, nobody knows what shows are going to look like. I hear, I hear like so many people talking, like thinking like so optimistic that shows are going to be back and they're going to be crazy, which I have no doubt that they're going to be back and they're going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. I just know what it's like being in a divided scene and being in a scene of people who like, like we're, we're like, like there have been times where like, like people are like saying insane things. Like I remember hearing stories about people like printing off like people's tweets and like confronting them about it what? in person. And okay. then sometimes like, yeah, yeah. You know, this, this was the thing that was going on in, in, in some places in America at times. And uh, where if you said something on Facebook or Twitter or something and about somebody or about a certain thing, you would sometimes be confronted with that in real life with the physical thing that you'd said handed to you and you questioned about it and sometimes you would get a swift kick in for it um and i never did anything like that but there were times where like there would be something going on like a fight broke out at a show and it would cause like a bunch of like a big like a big like commotion on the internet and it would like i could i could feel it like pulling like people away or pulling people apart and stuff and i would walk up to people and be like hey that thing that you post on the internet, not fucking cool. Take it down right now. And I would just like make kids take shit off the internet and, and then explain to them saying, if you have an issue with this shit going on or you need something resolved with somebody, you come and you talk to me and I'll facilitate that shit. I will make this other motherfucker come talk to you. And if there's, and, and, and also like if there's, there were been so many issues where like somebody said something fucking transphobic or racist or something on the internet. Mm -hmm. And then I would pull my own money out of my wallet, walk up to them, give them what they gave the show, give them their money from the show back, but out of my wallet. And I would say, you're going home. You're never coming back again. Because I cared about the kids who are in the scene. I mean, that's why like LDB is a love letter to my fucking, my goddamn kids, the kids that I care about. And anytime one of them does something super fucking atrocious, they're fucking out. But then at the same time, when they're just stirring up little bits of drama, I mean, one of the, one of the, uh, I stole a lyric from uh, Grey Matter in that LDB song from uh, the song Burn No Bridges um, about, you know, you burn no bridges to stay warm. And it's about not fucking, not lighting on fire your connections just to keep drama going mm-hmm. like you're not you're not starting shit just to keep something to, to, just to have something to talk about like you actually care about the connections you have and like that's what that song's about it's about me feeling like i like this you know compulsion to protect everybody and to do my best to you know facilitate this this happening and us not breaking apart and staying this like unified front that you know can be like a scene that people can depend on that, you know, people can look forward to this date on their tour knowing that kids are going to show up or if they don't show up, they're at least going to buy something 
or if they don't buy something, at least they're going to mush. And like, that's like what that song is about is like my care about protecting our, you know, our reputation, our reputation. Um, I appreciate um, your stance on um, you know trying to keep your scene unified because that's uh, that's admirable. I uh, you know would love for something like that to happen out here, but uh, there's just th- there's just too many people out here, man. Uh, and too- oh no, I oh, but that's but that's the thing is like we're just such a, a close knit community mm-hmm. of like such few kids that like it's just a shame to let anything like really like rip us apart so like my big fear with like shows coming back is like if there's a point where like we're not if everybody's not okay with the show happening then everybody at least has to be okay with either just not going or not causing some big fucking drama on the internet about what's going on yeah and if you're not if you're not cool with taking it taking that risk then that's that's cool but don't make it your business to then like go about like tearing you know tearing this apart because you're going to want it to exist when it can't true you're going to want this thing to be healthy when it can't yeah so like just you know knowing that you're like words carry weight like like they like um like it's and depending on what you know kind of position you're in if you're a person that people listen to if you're a person that people care about their their words just taking that into account when you say the things you say knowing that like you know you could be shaping somebody else's thoughts on on something because either they don't hear the other sides of it or they you know or they just trust you enough to just take your word as gospel and uh and yeah so that's my hope is that just when things do come back that it doesn't cause this weird like rifts in uh in our scene because it's not big enough to to support a earthquake like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. A, a, a couple times throughout the conversation, you mentioned uh, a new constraint record. It, it seems like uh, from the start, you guys were pretty busy, took 2019 off, but I'm guessing that's because of um, inclination. Um, will we get, yeah. will we get something new in 2021 from, uh, um, from constraint from, from constraint and inclination there, are, there should be an inclination record coming out, uh, either later this year or early next year. And um, we will have new constraint out probably possibly digitally by the end of the year. And then physically maybe early next year. Um, and then I've got a new thing cooking, but I don't really want to talk about it yet. Okay. <laughs> um, Cause I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work out because it's a little different uh, from what I've done in the past. So I'm, not sure if I'm going to be good enough, but, uh, um, but yeah, there's that. And then, I mean, LDB has got a ton of stuff, uh, going on. We just put out that, uh, the seven inch vinyl for the Koyo. Great band. And, um, dude, fantastic band, just perfect. And we, we did like a long Island, like celebration day essentially. Cause we, we dropped that seven inch and, uh, victory garden, which is Michael from Hangman's and pain of truth, uh, um, his, uh, like emo band. Yeah. He's in there with, um, with his brothers. With his brothers. Yeah. Yeah. With the bro- Dude, it, it really, really made me happy. Like, cause he texted me like after he, they got the records and was just like, like so fucking grateful that like, I, I couldn't believe that nobody else hit him up about doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I mean, this was like a post, you know, release release. 
um, or pressing of the vinyl. Like the record had been out for a little bit before. Um, but uh, he like texted me just like, like being like, dude, you don't know how much me and my brothers appreciate this. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the first time they've ever been in a band together. Like, <laughs> it like, I was like, I didn't occur to me. I was like, oh, it's, it's all three Smith brothers in a band together. And they got to, and I was like, oh, it made me feel like really, really like warm that we got to make that a real a real thing for them and that's almost sold out right now i think we only have like 20 copies left of the first press um and then we uh we're doing a seven inch for strangle you which i listened to your talk with cayman that kid's so great yeah super nice guy love cayman i really i really like it actually he was the after uh strangle you was the first band i moshed to after knee surgery because I took that whole year of moshing out, and mm-hmm. I actually I drop kicked I drop kicked Trenton from Gadget during the Strangle You set and cracked one of my molars. Oh wow! Because I landed, my face hit the ground before anything else. That's I like drop kicked him both feet, and my my head hit the ground before uh, anything else. And then like a few hours later, I noticed that I had like a sharpness in my mouth. I was like, holy shit! I cracked one of my molars. <laughs> um so uh yeah, we got the Strangle You record coming out and then uh we're doing um the vinyl for a perfect world uh should be in soon. Um uh, and wait. The, uh, perfect world from New York? Yeah, the War Culture record. Oh. oh, awesome. I didn't know that. Great yeah. record, great band. Yeah, we're doing we're doing we're doing the vinyl for it. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Um we'll probably do like a double like we did with Koyo and Victory Garden. We'll probably do Constraint and Perfect World the same day again. Mm-hmm. Cuz that seemed like it it worked well for us to get a bunch of money real quick. But um yeah, and then there's some some things in the mix that I'm not sure about talking about yet for for LDB later in the year. It's so hard doing a label that like um is like not that busy because it like I feel like I'm always the last one to the party when it comes to like finding a band. Mm-hmm. Like so often, like we'll like talk to a band and it's like, Oh, new morality zine already got here. And it's like, ah, oh, motherfucker. Like I really like Nick's label, but God damn it. That motherfucker gets everywhere. Like before we do. And it's like, I don't know if, if I, I feel like uh, sometimes I think about like texting him or emailing him and, or emailing him and being like, yo, can we talk? Cause uh, I want to try to like not step on each other's toes. Cause we're both like, kind of like scrounging for the same band at the same time it seems like um but um, yeah i uh but i am curious uh, i i am curious about the label uh as far as like roster wise are, are you guys trying to seek out bands and to have them you know stay with the label or are you guys uh, more content with just putting out releases for um bands i kind of always want to be like a stepping stone oh really label okay for for bands yeah, I always like, I mean, it's just, I like, I always tell anybody we're talking to, like, if something better comes along, go with that. There are some bands that I get a little bit more like, like, when you agree to this, please, please hang with us until this, you know, vinyl's real. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just such a long process doing vinyl. Like, I, like, once we start it, like, we really can't, like, there's a certain point of no return when yeah. it comes to doing something. But I always like try to like tell bands like if if I think they're like more promising than than we can provide that you know if Triple B or Close Casket come knocking you know jump jump ship don't feel bad to to say no to this if anything use this as leverage to you know to get what you want from something else um, but uh, 
but yeah, like I always like, there are certain bands that like, if we put out something for them and it's, you know, goes well, that I'll say like, no, if you want us to do your next thing, just let us know, you know, we'll just keep us in your pocket. And if you, uh, if you want to do something else, like we're, we're down to do it. But, um, but also, I mean, like Koyo, I feel like changed our vision a little bit with like being able to sell a record out in a week. Like we hadn't done that yet. So that was pretty, that was kind of a different, um, different thing, but also the band's just so fucking good. Yeah. Great band. But okay. That, that was my, my curiosity. Cause yeah, cause I was um, looking and uh, I was just curious about uh, what your guys' intentions were if you wanted to try to build it up. Because I feel like you, um, if you wanted to, you could become one of those labels where people are like, holy shit, like that's where we want our home to be, you know? Yeah, I mean, some people definitely like uh, like like when they hit us up, they're like, like we've gotten hit up recently about a band like or a band like, you know, kind of looking at what we were doing and, you know, thinking, oh, let's just shoot shoot our shot. And, you know, we're we're talking right now and trying to figure out uh, like when in the timetable. Cause also, I mean, it's, it's really like a labor of love for me. Cause like the, the whole goal for LDB is to spend as much money as we make every year, because I don't want to ever have to pay taxes on the label. Uh-huh. So I try to always keep us a little bit in the red that way I can maybe get my tax return from, from working. But that also means that I spend a good amount of my personal money on the label every year which I want to say at this point, like I've probably dumped, you know, upwards of 20, 20, 25 grand or something into the label um, that I don't plan on ever seeing <laughs> again. Um, but, uh, oh, we are doing, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll say it here. Um, uh, if anybody cares, we're going to do a 10 year anniversary repress of the, another mistake, seven inch, my old band um, this year. And we're going to do like a zine with it. Oh, that's awesome. Kind of about like that time in uh in Louisville with like uh like people like little thing little blurbs from like everybody who played in another mistake at the beginning and the end. Um I, I think but, that's good uh, to go with the record for because obviously for people who were there during that time and for kids who didn't get a chance to experience it, they get a little yeah. more insight. I think it's awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And also like there's a few another mistake designs that like I never got in we're going to like print a few like of our old designs that we um, basically we're going to print a few of the old designs that I wish I had taken one of mm-hmm. so that I can have one <laughs> <laughs> for sure. No, Hey, get it done. Cause uh, you know, um, obviously it, it makes sense too. Cause if, if you're going to have a record come out with it, might as well take advantage of that, that situation. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Well, Tyler, this has uh, been awesome. Um, uh, oh wait, wait yeah, one last thing. For so fucking long. No, no, th- th- this has been uh, such a pleasure for me. But but one last thing, okay. Um, I, I had the pleasure of seeing uh, Inclination at Sound and Fury, and then a couple months later at Fya. But uh, one thing I never really understood is that Fya, your nose got busted somehow. The nosebleed. What I happened? I jumped. That that first. If you watch the video from Fya, the first time I jumped, I smashed my fucking nose with my knees. And I usually always get a nose, like I get a nosebleed a lot. Like that's the reason why, like I never hardly ever wear a shirt that I care too much about when we're playing. Uh-huh. Um, but it fucking sucks. Cause at FYI, I was wearing a fucking, like I was wearing this erasure shirt. It was like an eighties, like, uh, like pop band. And, uh, like the shirt is as old as I am. And, uh, I was wearing that. It was a white shirt. So like the second I was bleeding, I was like, fuck, I'm about to destroy this fucking shirt. Somehow my girlfriend's mom got all of the fucking blood out of the out of the shirt. 
I just gave it to her. I was like, will you please try to fix this? Mm-hmm. Um, but she got all the blood. But yeah, no, if you watch the video, literally the first thing I do is obliterate my nose. And then I walked over to Caleb, our bass player, and you can see him laughing in my face while I'm just bleeding everywhere. Also, I definitely forgot some of the words to culture of corruption because I was in such like dis- I was so disoriented from that. And the whole time I couldn't see because my eyes were full of tears. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was that like um, the whole time I was fucked up, dude. And shout out to the, to the, um, to the person who brought you um, some tissue. Cause I wasn't sure if you wanted tissue or not. I I, I was just kind of upfront. Like, I don't know what's going on. This is crazy. Cause there's a yeah, lot no, of, dude, I was all fucked up. It was a lot I of usually, blood. I, I, there's a really funny, um, uh, like time when we were, when we were down to FYA the first time with a uh, year of the knife, um, I would, uh, I used to, try to be more prepared i would get like little um like sport tampons mm-hmm. and i would try to always have like a knife or scissors on me so i could like cut the tip off and shove that up my nose if i started bleeding but um but yeah i have like a, a like a popped blood vessel in my nose that like just the it's almost always bleeding but if it's like aggravated too much it'll just fountain blood and like i mean it bleeds at work sometimes it bleeds in the shower a lot it, it it bleeds just about anytime anything happens to my nose which when you're rubbing a microphone against your face um typically you can do that almost every time i could get my nose to fucking bleed if i wanted to um but i really didn't want to it <laughs> i just immediately did yeah but honestly one of the coolest sets of the weekend because that the moment with um uh, you know inclination playing the all the lights are on just like that whole vibe i was just yeah. dude so sick yeah no um uh, Lennon from uh, Seat of Pain and, um, and Eco Strike. Uh, yeah, yeah Eco Strike. After um, after our set, he was like, "Dude, that was such a good idea. I wish we had the idea to turn the lights on." Yeah, <laughs> but that's not always my thing. I said it in our, our second show. We were uh, at LDB Fest, the um, uh, this, our second show ever. When we were starting, I was like, "Hey, turn the lights on. We're not some like weirdo band like." just fucking hardcore band like all the lights can be on like i always like those fucking those videos of like posi numbers in the big dome where it's like so bright mm-hmm. and like old videos of like um like the elks lodge in uh in boston with like all the lights on i'm like that looks cooler than like you know some fucking light show going on some bands can pull it off i mean the fucking the life's question said it at uh at uh fya like their the lights going for life's question was very cool. <laughs> yeah, but during you guys' said it was definitely a vibe and um, it, it was awesome. So I, I'm glad that I got to experience it, and I, I hope to you know see you again down the road and um, wherever. I mean, I'm sure I'm I'm sure you will. I'm sure we'll be coming west as soon as we fucking can, whenever things are. I want to. I really want to come out west and play with that band Change from the North. Oh, dude, that band is so sick. Yeah. shit rocks dude yeah I, I i i i reconnected with chris their guitar player because we used to like be friends well i mean we've always been friends but we used to like actually talk a little bit more and i just didn't have his number anymore mm-hmm. but i like reconnected with him because of that record i was like dude i just got around to listening to it and i feel the way i felt when i was 17 and i heard the first step dude. like that's how i feel listening to this like i feel like the way i felt when I heard the first step for the first time. Yeah. That album front to back is so awesome. I, yeah, I can't, yeah. can't wait to, to hear that live. Cause I, I missed out the few shows that they did play, yeah. but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing I, I want to come out there and play with them and dare. That's like the goal is yeah. to like try to do it with like 
change in Dare if possible. Dude, that would be so sick. Dare's awesome too. I, I can't wait to hear their new record. Yeah, it's gonna be so good. Everything they do I like better than the thing before it. So uh-huh. I'm very, very excited. Also, God, watching the OC when fucking Luke says look at the OC <laughs> bitch. I'm like, oh my god, I forgot about that. Also, I watching it the second time I didn't realize that thinking ships quotes uh oh. Oh here. god! Okay, my phone is my phone is gonna die soon. Okay. But Sinking Ships quotes uh, quotes Ryan Atwood on their first record. The what's the difference between or the difference between uh, having a dream and knowing it'll come or or, or th- what's the difference between being smart or something like that? Is like it's like it's having a dream and, and knowing it's not gonna come true or some shit. I can't remember exactly how he puts it, but goddamn, mm-hmm. Ben McKenzie, dude, Ryan Atwood, so dreamy. Yeah, great, great guy. But yeah, him and Seth, awesome duo. I, they're they're awesome together. I I, I love those guys. Yeah, no, dude, it's just so great. But yeah, I'm gonna get off of here and eat dinner and uh, watch the OC with her before I go to work. Okay, well, but, seriously, uh, Jamie, dude, it's, dude, it's just so great talking to you again, man. Yeah, this has been awesome. I, I appreciate you um, being so kind and generous w- with your time. Uh, but I, I seriously I appreciate you and appreciate everything that you do. So seriously, thank you. Dude, thank you. All right, I'll uh, talk to you soon. Keep, keep in touch. Let's let's talk, let's talk sooner than than like you know a year or two again okay for sure i'll i'll, I'll do a better but job I'll, hopefully, I'll text hopefully you. i'll just see you before hopefully yeah, text me more but hopefully i'll just see you soon too all right sounds good